Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sonic has something delicious for you. Hey, announcer guy, that's your cue. Try the new Sonic Steak and Bacon Grilled Cheese. Savory steak mixed with grilled onions topped with crispy bacon and melty American cheese, plus creamy mayo and tangy barbecue sauce. Or try it spicy with zesty cheese sauce and jalapenos. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely craving that previously mentioned thing. Sonic Steak and Bacon Grilled Cheese. Sonic. Limited time only or participating Sonic drive-ins. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. All right, what's up, Stoppies? It is time yet again for Make It Stop, Bad Music. Good times. I'm Mike Dunn. I'm Heather Mack. We're doing the intro backwards. Heather asked me to intro it. Um, perhaps it's because uh, uh, today for today's show, uh, we have uh, a legend of the, of the West Coast punk scene, uh, base, former bassist for Black Flag, bassist for Dose, uh, and now uh, also an uh, Emmy and Oscar award-winning uh, dialogue editor uh, joining us. We're very honored to have today uh, Kira Rossler. Thank Woo! you. Thanks for having me. Nice intro. Welcome. Kira was a little uh, apprehensive about joining us. Um, Kira does not like to to uh, dog on other people's work. Um, so Kira's actually going to be defending the album that we're listening to today. Um, similar to what we did with, when Palehound was on the show doing... Uh, Defending Simple Plan. Um, Kira is a better person than us, and therefore... <laughs> and we are grateful for that. We need a little class up in here. Uh, and we also have another... A local legend in their own right. Uh, an amazing guitarist and vocalist, uh, an activist, uh, volunteer with Girls Rock Camp, with a uh, big supporter of the Boston local art and music scene, and Somerville native, also very cool, uh, and the guitarist and vocalist for Home Despot, and then the Johnny Cash tribute band. Is it called Johnny No Graves? 
Yeah, Johnny Newgraves and the Cash Cowboys. And the Cash Cowboys. It was a working title. (laughs) That stuck. Yeah. Um, So another, so a Boston area musician who's uh, the Stooges and Black Flag, you know, you can hear in the music clearly very big influences uh, for you, Sophia. So how how does it feel Mm -hmm. to be on the show uh, with Kira? (laughs) I'm honestly, yeah, I'm so honored. Uh, I, I can't even be eloquent about it. So I'll just say that it's kind of a dream. (laughs) <laughs> I look forward to hearing more of your stuff, Sophia, because oh, it's all so about much. it's all really about what's going on now, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a major influence and uh, energy behind making music right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like there's anything important going on in the world that we have some like commentary on potentially. I don't know. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how about that? Talk about old stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how about that coup? How about that coup? I know. I feel like can't really say do a podcast without at least saying Merry Coomis, everybody. Uh, You can go after Ariel Pink next. (laughs) Oh yeah, he's he's fair game now. How about this one? Happy coup year. Oh, (laughs) Oh. there you go. Yeah, right at the start. That's a good way to start the year, I'd say. Yeah, just uh, get out of the way. But yeah, yeah, Ariel Pink. I felt I feel super validated now for not really digging pom pom. So maybe we'll maybe we'll do a little a little Ariel Pink on a poor song. Ariel got kicked off his label, you guys. Oh, oh poor no. baby. Oh, what actions have consequences? Aw, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no love, no patience, and no excuses for the anyone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. The iced ad- Earth. We could do Iced Earth too. Oof. I'd rather not, dude. Ugh. I'd rather. I don't want to listen to them. But you, you're right. We could, and and we probably should. Uh, so I will. That that's one way of justifying us being snarky, obnoxious assholes that um, you know make fun of musicians who are much more famous than us. Is that we also like to make fun of their politics and make fun of uh, you know the bad culture that surrounds them, um, which isn't probably going to be the case on this album too much. We are we're going to be discussing uh, a the the last album put out by legendary punk pioneers, the Stooges, uh, The Weirdness from 2007, right? Correct, 2007? Mm-hmm. I, I think they actually did do another album after this, too. After the guitarist and saxophonist died? I, I don't know the exact year on it. I couldn't say for sure. Definitely after after the guitarist died, yes. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that's the... That is... It's surprising to me that they did another album after... Was it after both Ashton brothers died? I'm not sure, but because I feel like they're what defines the band. Really, like if it's if it's not Iggy, it's them. Uh, I mean the the guitar. Maybe not Mike Watt. Mike, <laughs> God bless Mike Watt. I know he's your good friend and and your ex husband, and he plays bass <laughs> on this album. Uh, but you could barely hear him. I don't even know what Mike Watt was doing on this well, album. Mike, look. Mixing and production is one aspect, I'm sure, about what we'll be talking about, but that does not necessarily define a good or bad record. Sure. No. Um, no, definitely not. I mean, their early stuff was 
mixed <laughs> in, right. in very on, unique ways. And, and I play on Black Flag Records. Hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we could hear you on those Spot. records. I'll tell you what, Kira. We could hear your bass on those records, and thank God for it. <laughs> Came through loud and clear on the process of weeding out. But you're right, Spot. Uh, notoriously, I think, was it Henry Rollins who said that he, like, he ruined every Black Flag record or something like that? Get Spot. Greg was the one calling all the shots, and Greg's guitar at times will just drill a hole in your eyeball, you know, <laughs> regularly. <laughs> so, so For no reason at times. You know. Anyway, we're wrong, So you're going <laughs> to... Oh, no, we're going to have to be talking about... I mean, we have to talk about Mike Watt, obviously, because he is the bassist. Uh, you know, he... Uh, obviously, uh, of the Minutemen and, um, you know, various other projects, but uh, also and of the in, weirdness and yes, and, and of the weirdness. the weirdness. Right. And it's clear that Iggy Pop and the Stooges were personal heroes and huge influences. And so, yeah, if your hero calls you and says, hey, do you want to, you know, come play music with us, you're going to fucking say yes. And you're going to do whatever you're told. <laughs> and you're going to do what you're told, which included for Mike playing with a pick, which he had never done before, you know, because that was what Iggy wanted. And you're going to be mixed however they mix the record. They also had an engineer producer that has its own oddity approach to life. Right. Well, Steve Albini, right, who was the producer for this album, who, um, who I've worked with before. And, and, you know, he has his own sensibilities. Right. And he's a legend in his own right. He's, you know, for folks who might not know, he's produced, you know, for Nirvana and the Pixies, their most some of their most iconic albums uh, among, you know, hundreds of other artists, just a who's who of of legends, really. You know, he had his own bands uh, that are pretty excellent uh, and generally regarded as one of the greatest living producers. His work on the weirdness, I think, somewhat baffling, given his track record. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, uh, that's not how I, what I would describe him as, but hey. Really? So you're more, you're a butch, you're on the Butch Vig side of the fence in the Nirvana debate. No, you're here's the thing about- over in utero. Here's the thing about Steve Albini. He will let the band, whoever they are, dig their own grave or not. So, you, what you may be doing is give the bands in the cases of where you like the production, give them the credit for saying, Steve, I want it to sound more like this. And the bands that don't sound good, they didn't necessarily tell him, no, make it sound more like that because he will let a band sound like crap. Yeah. So what are you saying about this album, Kira? <laughs> well, that you can't put lipstick on a pig? No, not a... <laughs> That's not no, I'm what I'm saying. saying. I'm, sa I'm saying that Steve may have allowed them to make choices, which I myself wouldn't have made, but and he didn't bring his own sensibility, if he has one, to the table to make it better. Mm -hmm. It was more about capturing what was there as and authentically that's, as and possible. That's his that's his style from right. the other bands that I've gone there and recorded with. He will let them dig their own grave or not. That's true. I also know that he he he's not picky. Like he he he'll record basically anyone that pays him, right? I know that he is a fan of online poker and is always down to oh, get no. him 
some fresh money from whatever band wants to pay him. That's a thing, right? Yes. I'm not making this right. up, Kira. No. So was Iggy Pop also deep in the hole of online poker, and that's why this movie, I mean, this album had to be made? <laughs> I, I'm just wondering. Now it's a movie. I want to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rock opera. <laughs> His dick actually turns into a tree. It's The effects are incredible. <laughs> oh, actually, Kira's doing the sound design for it, actually. We've already booked her. <laughs> He has been singing about women and his relationships with women his whole career. Mm-hmm. Nothing, that's nothing new. Oh, definitely not. Nothing, sho- nothing shocking for Mickey on this album. Uh, just you to know, its detriment. To its detriment, I would say. Unfortunately, yes. yeah. yeah. It is. It so, is a little. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike Dunn. Yeah. So I was just going to say maybe this is the part of the show where we should all talk about. Our history, listening to the Stooges, and our his—you know what what we think overall going into the, before we listen to the record. What we what we were, what's how how do we feel about the Stooges? How do we feel about Iggy and the Ashertons? Uh, and, and Mike, I want to hear from Sophia on this first. Oh wow! Uh, all right, I hope I I live up to that. Um, well, I was born in uh, 1995, and my taste for music developed right around the time that Simple Plan and Yellow Card and Blink-182, although that was a little before, all of these bands were coming up and I was really, really into pop punk. So I've done a lot to impact that. And, uh, you know. Same. <laughs> yeah. Come come to terms with my, my sins. Um, and a lot of my education about punk was like top to bottom so like working backwards um I was sent to boarding school in New Hampshire and I had a lot of extra time on my hands and I started educating myself on the history of punk because I was angry and hated the school's administration and you know that was the music that spoke to me um but I got really into the New York Dolls um and then I learned about the death of one of their members who uh who overdose on heroin and that's how I learned about Iggy Pop because he was the one who introduced heroin to those folks um and I was kind of bitter and and angry about that but I started listening to their music and um like I started listening to Raw Power and a bunch of stuff that they released and The Passenger and like all of these sort of more obvious song choices and really fell in love with their style and like how genuine and extreme they were um no one around me liked the music uh understandably but uh yeah that's pretty much it it's it's nothing super exciting but I'm a big Sudis fan quite different than mine (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I can imagine. Yeah. Well, we're ex- definitely excited for the dueling perspectives on this album. Oh yeah. Um, Kira, why don't you talk about your uh, history with uh, Iggy and the Stooges? Well, um, so I was born a lot earlier than that, um, like a lot earlier than what you're talking about, and so like in the seventies. You know, my junior high years, I was listening to David Bowie and and so Iggy Pop was, you know, a natural side thing from that, you know, like like Iggy was in a way his, you know, uh, darker 
cousin with the, some of the Stooges stuff. And then and then when the, I brought up earlier the idiot, which is the first time that Bowie actually produced an Iggy record and, and people just bashed it all to hell because, oh my God, it had some production value that was different than the Stooges records, you know, and this, uh, and this is, I guess, you know, sort of fundamentally why I struggle with the idea of, of attacking an artist for taking a turn, you know, from maybe something they were doing before, like, okay, so the Stooges raw power sounded like this, and then they, Iggy went and did the idiot, and now it sounds totally different, and the songwriting is different, and the production value is different, and I'm like, yeah, cool, uh, you know, please don't always sound the same. Please don't always do the same thing. I don't want to hear 25 records that all sound the same and that are interchangeable and the songs could just mix up all between all the records. And that's the artist, you know, boring to me. I want to hear production. I want to hear change. I want to hear ups and downs and darkness and light. And, and so, you know, I think the idiot represented that. And I think, you know, then when my, my, ex-husband joined the Stooges, right? <laughs> Fast forward. I'm like, wow, that, you know, as you said earlier, I mean, if anybody asked me to join the Stooges, I'd like break both my hands to do that, which it would do at this juncture. <laughs> so I was keep, so I kept up on it from a, from that standpoint, I had a, an in from the standpoint of being able to talk to him about what he was going through as he joined. And I saw them play at the Wiltern here in Los Angeles. Uh, and, uh, and then having worked with Steve Albini on a project with a small band uh, myself, I was not surprised then when Mike had some ideas about how he felt about the production value of this record which as you guys already pointed out, you know, the bass not being front and center might have influenced Mike's opinion on the production value. <laughs> but also there's some other choices about it that like I said, I wouldn't have made. But uh, so my uh, experience from it comes <laughs> all the way back from, you know, being in junior high, which is a long time ago now to, you know, what feels like almost present day, right, with with a player in Mike Watt, who I played with in a band for 35 years, you know, so yeah. very close to musically, I have a very close sensibility with, and he's talking to me about what it's like to play with Iggy and how Iggy's telling him how to play and, and to play with a pick and then his experience with recording this record. So, so I do feel kind of close to it. Maybe that's got me biased, but I think it has a great sense of humor. And, and it's one of the great things I love about Iggy is that he doesn't take himself seriously and that the lyrics are just full of, you know, trolling. Yeah, hello. <laughs> it is. Iggy's been trolling since he was <laughs> 17 and he's still trolling, you know? Yeah. Successfully, apparently. We're dedicating a whole two-hour episode to this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I I feel like there's it's actually when you're describing this, it, it reminds me of I recently watched the um, documentary about Chuck Berry, the all hail rock and roll or hail hail rock and roll um, documentary about Chuck Berry, where he's like directing Keith Richards, like he's telling Keith Richards what he can and can't play on guitar. And Keith Richards is basically just like doing a rhythm the whole time. Like and it's just because like. That if Chuck Berry tells you what to do, you're gonna fucking do it. You're gonna listen. Um, but yeah, I, I just and so what you're saying with your uh, critique of criticism is that in 20 years the weirdness will actually become one of the most revered uh, and misunderstood albums of all time. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I, I'm saying that if <laughs> if they put out you know, a hundred raw powers instead, I wouldn't think that that was a better band because they put out a hundred that sounded exactly the same. And the the songs were all interchangeable. So it's okay with me that it's different and uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, I like, I mean, punk rock is uncomfortable and unexpected and shocking and, and awkward. (laughs) yes yeah that's true it's true true. i i I would say that perhaps this album is almost too comfortable but i'll but maybe the fact that i'm all in a tizzy about it means that i'm i'm wrong but i'll i'll say that for me iggy pop um you know my dad was a guitarist in a punk band for a few decades so i grew up in like surrounded my mom was a dj and i grew up surrounded by really good music and really like they educated me about punk rock while i was still listening to blink 182 because i thought that that was what punk was and that what my parents listened to wasn't cool um (laughs) which how wrong i was um but iggy pop i mean i remember my dad made me my first punk like mix cd when i was like 13 or 14 and i want to be your dog was on i'm sorry but just the fact that you said mix cd i know i know (laughs) I'm a little older than Sophia, but it's, yeah, I mean, it it was, I mean, and it had everything. Like, it had Richard Hell and the Voidoids. It had, you know, the Dead Boys. It had, you know, obviously the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and, like, Generation X and all these other amazing punk songs. And it had Iggy Pop. And so, um, you know, I always kind of revered and, like, venerated Iggy Pop. And, like, I actually, listening to this album, I re-listened today to Raw Power and Funhouse to just remind myself, like, how fucking incredible the Stooges were, like, as a force, not just as a band, not just musically, but, like, as a force to be reckoned with. And I'm lucky that I have seen Iggy Pop live uh, twice, we saw them together. We saw them together at Riot Fest, Mike Dunn. And then I Great also set. really amazing. And then I saw him on the post pop depression tour. And I love post pop depression. So I will counter and say that I'm not about them staying in one lane. Raw power and funhouse, completely different. Funhouse, raw power, and post pop depression, the idiot, all completely different, all really excellent in their own way. This album, I don't know. We'll 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 save it for later. But that's my that's my background with Iggy Pop. <laughs> How about you, Mike Dunn? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think most of what uh, should be said has been said. But I'll just say that he's a legend. Uh, you know, I've been a huge fan for a long time. I have deep dived into uh, a good chunk of everything Iggy's done. You know, in, including the you know any post the idiot. Uh, you know. Uh, Kill City and Soldier and, uh, you know, 
I've listened to Party. I've 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 listened. I think that Funhouse is probably maybe the greatest album ever made. I truly believe that. Uh, it's definitely like in the pantheon. It's at the top of the mountain. Um, and I, you know, I've listened to other Iggy Pop works considered bad by critics. I've listened to Party. I've listened to Skull Ring. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, given that, given that my breadth of knowledge about Iggy Pop, I'm not surprised at the lyrics on this album. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's that terrible uh, of an album. <laughs> I think where I land on this, on the weirdness, is not so much that it's that I have a problem with it because it's a terrible album. Uh, I just wonder uh, if it was, you know, given that the the Stooges. In 23 songs over three albums, like changed music forever. The massive impact they had and the massive legacy they left. Is this album something you want to do to that legacy? Uh, I think ultimately it's not a big deal. And I hope they had more fun making the album than I had listening to it. Um, and I think it's, you know, of course their legacy will persevere forever. Um, but I just. I just, I don't know if it's what I would have done. But Kira, I mean, who, am I, who am I to say? I don't know. <laughs> who are we? Uh, Kira's head is in her hands. Kira, do you want to, <laughs> do you want to tell us how you're feeling right now? <laughs> I mean, well, can, can we just agree for one thing? And I just want to reiterate this, that the time frame between Funhouse and Raw Power and this record is a huge time frame. Yes. yes. Okay. So it's, it's not like they went, from from one to another and and they are you know they are pre-punk rock right they are way pre iggy and the stooges and bowie were before any of those bands with perhaps the exception of as you mentioned the dolls you know and they started doing something but we're talking about ahead of anything that was going on in the early early punk rock scene which i was in so i was there and i'm just saying and then now way after that, you know, the whole concept of punk rock just changed into this sort of mainstream whatever, what we call punk rock, nobody even bloody knows. Well, now this record comes along. And so, you know, all the definitions, all of the, you know, this is what's hardcore and punk rock and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's all totally changed. So it's a little difficult to try to paint the brushes so smoothly between those Iggy records that, as you say, are the foundation on which a whole bunch of music was built and this record, which is way later. The guy is 70 years old when he makes this record, right? <laughs> or close to. And he's in his 20s. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. it's remarkable. So we can't exactly expect that the same uh, what one of the songs i know we're going to talk about the song but that when i was going through it today you know he specifically his last song on the record mm. is about being burned out yes you know I and it addresses specifically this this fact that he has been to me it's like it's been going on for so long he doesn't even know who he is anymore <laughs> like, you're right you know there, what i mean yeah i i i we're gonna get into the song by song i i thought the end of the album was the strongest part and there were some really poignant like lyrics especially i think i know exactly what lyric you're referring to that i pulled out to Kira and 
Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with anything you're saying. My question is, did it need to be made? Or was it just is was it just because they wanted to just they were alive, so they said, let's do it? And is that good enough of a reason? Maybe it is when you're fucking rock legend like not just punk rock legends, because as you mentioned, they were punk rock before punk rock had a name or a concept, but they were also, you know, like free jazz, stoner metal, like sludge rock, like all of these other different genres that they birthed. Like maybe they do get a forever pass to do yeah. whatever the fuck they want. Well, I and- look, rehash, I could, I could talk all day about the concept of rehash and how many bands should never have put together their rehash tour, you know, please. <laughs> oh, and- who are they? Go on. Do go <laughs> and- on. If, and if you if you want to put the Stooges in the category of maybe they shouldn't have done rehash, I'm not even sure that I would totally disagree with that. But given that rehash is an absolute part of what people are doing all over the place, even these piddly shit little bands that should have never <laughs> existed to begin with. I really <laughs> want to know what those bands are so we can have you back and talk about Look. <laughs> Kara's a working musician. We, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. We, cannot, we, can, we Heather, you and I, we've burned all the bridges. We know if we strike it big, it's going to be over because we've been we've been blackballed at this point, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if anyone knows our names, then it's not for the right reasons. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, this is interesting because I do wonder, you know, would we – would the critics in general, including us, unfortunately, uh, you know, come down so hard on this album – had the Stooges not called it quits when they did and released a bunch of shitty albums in the 80s, like a lot of other, uh, you know, artists that that were, you know, really relevant in the 60s and 70s happened to do. Just say the Rolling Stones. No, the Rolling Stones. Well, look, Neil, <laughs> Neil Young. Me, I mean, who, who, and to I? me, the Rolling Stones, because of the fact that they didn't quit and they kept on going, they don't fall into this rehash category. It's it's a different problem where you're trying to continually make great music and you and and maybe you don't have great music to write, but it's at least not pulling something out of the closet that maybe shouldn't have been pulled out they've been doing it the whole time yeah i think they i think the stooges sat in on a couple of songs on skull ring and that was actually like i i enjoyed that album and i think what must have happened is they played together a little and they were like this actually feels good like i miss this and then just went for it and uh like i applaud that you know that sort of natural inclination to like get back into it with a group of people you appreciate it's chemistry yeah. right bands is chemistry and the, and the chemistry hit like you said and suddenly it was like hey this chemistry is kind of cool what what if we like explored it right again? right yeah and they were having fun i mean they were ripping up stages they were touring like regularly and they were killing it and i i'm i'm bummed i never got to see them um you know i remember I, even do you remember when they used to be able to watch music videos on demand on tv i was yes. watching I was on demand watching live Stooges performances like around this time being like sick before the album came out. Uh, So because they had been back together sort of touring for a while before they went back in the studio. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yes. And and then after that, didn't they do they did a series of gigs where they just played uh, Funhouse top to bottom, which would have been life changing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but so, so that's the thing. So I agree. I think they were like, we're here, we're alive. We like each other. We don't hate each other. We're enjoying this. We're having fun. We're playing live. But unfortunately, 
that raw energy of a live performance does not translate, in my opinion, on this album. The like the storytelling of the of the songs doesn't quite hit the mark for me. It feels like it was like we're here and we're gonna do it, so let's do it. And there wasn't a lot of thought about it, which I guess is pretty punk rock on some level. But on the other hand, when you have this huge legacy, maybe it's impossible. Maybe it's like fuck I, it, fuck your expectations. I, I have a question, yeah. Sophia. Do you feel like your live performances translate to records? Uh, I am still, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little behind on the recording part of music, um, but no, uh, it's a different, it's a different it art just form. Does it. yeah. It's like, it's like exactly. uh, it trying to easy. capture real life in uh, videography. You have to do a lot to make it seem real, which is counterintuitive, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a lot to expect to tr- to actually capture the Stooges live on a Stooges record. That is true. Yeah, that's never gonna. I mean, even on like Fun House, that wasn't a live out. Like that was, but it was oh, incredible. No, I can tell you, I've list. I'm one of those freaks who's listened to that like deluxe edition of Fun House that has every single take and every single overdub. Uh, yes. It's it's like three days of music. Uh, so. Uh, I can tell you that they a lot of work went into that record <laughs> to making it well, yeah. to making it sound like that controlled chaos. I would, but I would actually disagree with what you were saying, Heather, which is that the thing that bothers me most about the weirdness is that I actually get the sense that they tried too hard. Like their reformation and their rehashing was such a natural sort of yeah chemistry process. And some of the lyricism and like some of the parts in the weirdness feel not not super Iggy Pop in the way that like like his analogy yes. about uh, like Dr. Phil, like maybe I should take some Ugh. pills, maybe I should talk to Dr. Phil. Like, I don't really know. Like it, it's like he sat down you know, trying to think of shit that would rhyme with pills or like tried to figure out an analogy that the kids would relate to or something. And like, I, I want to hear the like unrestrained, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Um, uh, this isn't national broadcasting, so I guess we're good. No, not. Yeah. (laughs) That was sort of my main, my main issue is that tension between uh, knowing what they can do when they don't care and hearing this sort of, yeah, like censorship or um, intentionality that actually undermines that original feeling I get but that, from them. That was the criticism of the idiot, exactly. Sort of over-polished, over-produced. That was, you know, that, and, and songwriting-wise too, that was the same kind of reaction at the at that time, much closer to Raw Power and Funhouse, right. you know, and then he came out with with that record. So I just think that's always been a part of who Iggy hmm. is. Is he's he's as Bowie influenced? Does he name drop television stars on those? <laughs> Does he rhyme Madonna with Benihana? We should get into the songs, I feel like. It's going to be a spicy one, and this is a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, let's get into the songs, right? I feel like we've we've laid the groundwork. We've laid plenty of groundwork. Uh, We should get right into it. 
Okay, so first song, and maybe this is this is like pretty poignant, uh, but the first song is called Trollin', um, and yeah, let's let's go ahead and and get on into it. Here we go. Critics weren't gonna like it, didn't he? <laughs> it's true. There's this album, you know, for for everything we've said, it is very self-aware. It's very meta. Um, they knew exactly how the album was gonna be received, and uh, they got a hit of it. Didn't give op- and didn't give a rat's ass. <laughs> it's really, it's really hard to criticize the Stooges and Iggy, like it always has been, because they're trolls. They're like right. the OG, like 4chan. I mean, that's a little, uh, that's a little worse than what I want to express. But they are like the OG <laughs> edgelords. Yes. Right. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, Iggy wrote the song "African Man." You know, I mean, yeah. We don't. And even, Ron Ashton loved go- Nazi memorabilia. Yeah, all the way back, they were that way. From African man to Mexican guy, evolution. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. That ought to piss some people off. My girl ran off with a Mexican guy, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We got I mean, a lot of ground to cover first. Trolling uh, <laughs> lyrically. This is the one that has the lyric we've mentioned already like three <laughs> times where he says his dick is turning into a tree. Yes. What do you make of is, that? That is naturally what happens when you're trolling <laughs> chicks, man. <laughs> I've been on tour with 12 guys. Like, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> That's for real what so, happened. So you're you're okay, so trolling in this sense kind of has that double meaning of on the one hand it's like trolling the critics, trolling people who think that they know who the students are and what they chicks. should be. And then it's trolling for chicks. I get, okay. So is that what they were going for? But they also have the commentary about rock critics and like how I think it's meant to be that double entendre. It's both, right? Trolling, yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) You don't think that this is like... Because today, talking about trolling for chicks is like how we reacted when Trump talked about grabbing pussy, right? Today, we're all like, ooh, they're they're talking about trolling about chicks. And he's acknowledging that too. He's like, when I talked about it back then, it's like, oh, all guys talked about it. But now it's like, ooh, you can't talk about that. Don't talk about my pussy. I would be fine with Iggy Pop talking about my pussy, I suppose, if it wasn't so cliche, dude. I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, my dick is turning into a tree. Your hair has energy. This is 2007. Like, I don't know. I, ah. <laughs> Somebody else say something more uh, eloquent than me. But I, I can't wait to see your lyrics, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, they're actually, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that my they're... dick is turning into a tree makes like the song lyrics of his other stuff seem like poetry. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. On this it's... record or just other Just records? in general. 
Like, I, I think that lyric is just like, I mean, even like penetration, which is just repeating penetration over and over again and like, take me like, yada, yada. Or I want to be your dog. I want to be your dog. Yeah. Like that. Is, yeah. Well, that's, that is hard. Like, it's, it's to the point. Has he been not been doing this all along? It well, but that's different but and better. That's it. different he, and better. He, he did it. Um, I, I, I think, you know. He did it a little more poetically on the earlier stuff. I mean, not always. Like I said, he didn't You know, New New Values has a whole bunch of crazy lyrics that are even crazier than this. But um, I think the stuff that is most remembered of what Iggy's done, I think you've mentioned The, uh, the Idiot a lot, um, Kira, and I think the lyrics on The Idiot are, are pretty, I mean, I, I think they're pretty... Pretty poetic. I don't know. I also it's, didn't mean poetic but, literally. And I think Bowie it, and Bowie influenced that. I think that's I think true. There's more collaboration mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Well, Iggy's always been very collaborative, right? He's you know he's always sort of depends. With someone. I think. <laughs> yeah. I guess I don't know though. I just think that there's there's something different about you know those earlier lyrics. This feels like them doing a cover of themselves. Like it's yeah. not, it it sounds like it, it's it's like a cliche. It just right. it's not okay. like so. Aside from Dick turning into a tree, have you got anything else? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's loading. I'm trolling us. On this song, like, okay, we're talking about this song. That particular line really hung you up. What else? Um, I don't know. I mean, I got the top down on my Cadillac. <laughs> my Stooges t-shirt is riding my back. Is that is that punk rock not giving a fuck? Or is that, like, kind of just, I don't know. Or is that the rock critic trolling that we were just talking about where he's like yeah i'm a rock star which is all the way through this record he makes fun of himself for be having money for for being a rock star and for how money people react to him having money so that's that's part and yeah. parcel of the whole story that is kind of the through line of the album uh, a lot of stuff like that and i just i i guess here you're making a lot of good points i don't want to we're not trying to dogpile uh but i just also i just feel like you know yes it's it's very much it's it's if you if you read closely in the lyrics it's clear what they're doing they're being self he's being self-effacing he's rubbing in your face you know the the dichotomy between him being a uh, a rock star and a rich person and uh and also being, you know, being, and this, being like, a slut <laughs> yeah and just and being yeah, a man whore basically but um is that what you want on a stooges record I could see you wanting that on, you know, any of the dozens of Iggy solo records, but wouldn't shouldn't the Stooges be something a little more refined in sound and in direct? I don't I, know. I, 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 this sounds insane calling the Stooges refined, but it, it is. It's it's a different because they like I said they only had twenty three songs over their all over their entire discography before this, and all of those songs was excellent, every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this doesn't this isn't going to make it into the rotation. Like even even if you can kind of groove along to it and like all of the member like all the members of the band are like doing their job. Like it's not like, you know, the guitar is bad or like, you know, you could say some stuff about Iggy's vocals. I think they they sound better on some songs than others. Okay. He's also okay. 60. So So we're so I, I think I'm starting to get it here, you guys. Uh -oh. And help uh -oh. me out. I think I'm getting No, no, this is good. You guys are saying you're distinguishing Stooges from Iggy. And I'm thinking, 
I tend to think of Iggy as a continuum all through as an artist, you know, and you guys are like going, yeah, but the Stooges, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, and I'm accepting that. I'm like, okay, well, if we're really saying like, no, the Stooges should be so much better than they all the other that- stuff, then maybe you're right. Maybe I can back off just a little. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. We're all, I think we're all trying to give each other space here. <laughs> Um, maybe we should move on to the Wait, next song. Wait, Sophia though. had something oh, to say. Um, I kind of forget what I was going to say, but I think, uh, let me see if I can reformulate this. For me, it's a weird dichotomy of like wanting them to be genuine. Like the, the metaphor of my dick is turning into a tree. Like I just want him to say my dick is hard. Like that's just simpler and I think more sort of trolling. Um, But at the same time, like this song sort of exemplifies this feeling that I have, which is like 34 years have passed. And like in my mind, I can't imagine that like the six year old man has not had any sort of like emotional journey (laughs) into another place. Uh, And I I think it might just be that he didn't like he's just the same fucking well, person and like i think having to come to terms with and, that and most male musicians and most male musicians never grow up a girl past right 18. right but yes. but, <laughs> do but, we, but but do we excuse that i guess and, is the question do 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 men get a pass you know do they get a pass to not evolve look you around. know i guess my <laughs> oh so yes <laughs> Usually yes. The answer is uh, yes. But should they? Uh, what should I was gonna they? say. What I was gonna say though is, if you listen to po- po- post pop <laughs> depression, you get more of that introspection and the yes, the reflection this the reflection precisely. on his life experiences and uh, I guess you know I think I, he, and he does self respect about money like we were talking about earlier. Maybe not kinda. about women. Maybe not about <laughs> women and sex, but that's something that might be very hard for most men to get mature about. Come on. But I think the troll in itself like i think that for me like the goal can still be to shock and to you know push people's boundaries um but the the lack of like direction or i just i just i guess i thought that like iggy pop would have matured (laughs) but it would be more shocking if he had something more complex perhaps he might troll misogyny for example perhaps he might have some sort of evolution where it comes to viewing women as people i don't know like that that would have been interesting like there would maybe he has to take viagra and he could have and sung he about could that. He he criticized for I want to be your dog and like how dare you? You're the one who who sang like th- that and acted like that. Like like he can't have it. I don't think he can be that guy if he's that guy. But that show it would show some some sort of evolution. No one's trying to neuter this dog. We're just wondering if like <laughs> he can learn some new tricks. Perhaps. <laughs> but um all right, sorry. <laughs> Let's go on to the next song. We've got uh eleven more, so Oh god, yes. Let's keep going. Okay, here we you go. You can't have friends. <laughs> you can't have friends. No, you can't. <laughs> I hope we'll all be friends after this. Not here we if go. you're a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, here we go. Can't have friends. The money's gonna see too fast. Oh, 
uh i like this song the drum sound on this record it's like he was the only person who really went for it like he'd been waiting for that no he's the only one who's steve albini figured out how to get (laughs) the good sound (laughs) correct because you can hear a sick bass line you can almost hear a sick the bass line's good it's just Yeah. yeah it's just not there's no real definition in it um Anyway, uh, so you were saying you like this song. Yeah, I think I say this a lot on this show. When we get a record, uh, we've gotten several records where I've said, hey, I don't like the record overall, but if they just did an EP, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll I'll pick my songs for the EP. Uh, It could have been a good record, and uh, this one would definitely go in the EP. I think the riff is great on it. I like the little uh, wah-wah, wah-wah. Yeah, the end of uh, the end of each uh, measure, and I think it's a it's a killer song. Yeah, the guitar bridge is really good. I like the li- the line, uh, "Nobody wants your pretty little self; they all think you're someone else," which I think is like an interesting, could be you know an introspective like point about himself. And obviously, the song is like, yeah, like you don't have real friends once you make money, you know. Um, Sophia. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I don't have anything particularly horrible to say about this song. I, I mainly get wrapped okay. up in how good the drums sound. Like when I first heard it, it was just like, <laughs> wow, I you know, even if it was just the drum track actually might be preferable throughout the entire album. I'd be really down with that because uh, they sound great. I think I think both Ashton's kind of bring it on this album. I think. Uh, I think yeah, the- they just pan the guitars hard, like a, it's a fucking weird ass sound. It just is. Yeah, it's. Too I don't many- know what I don't know what the thinking was about hard panning the guitar, hard panning the guitars. <laughs> it's really distracting. It sounds. Yeah. Like, I thought the guitar, yeah. like even in this song, like I know you said you like the wah, but like, and I know that's sort of uh, Ron's like mo in a lot of ways. But sometimes it feels a little like blues rocky to me. Yeah. Like bad bandy. Well, they were super there. Yeah, there's a little bit bar room, bar room, like dad band. But it's also like very Doors influenced, you know. Yeah. So you they have. Also, the, they that's also did that before roots. it was a cliche, you know. They, they, this is a band that's been around since the, like the late 60s. Yeah, but Ashton I, is a blues. Yeah, guitarist. yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. I guess when it's produced like that, uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't strike me in the same way that it did in stuff like Funhouse. Yeah. The production really detracts a lot. Like even, you know, you the the drummer uh Scott Ashton, right? Yes. Um he sounds he's he's playing great, but some of the choices made in how the drums are laid out in like it feels like there's a different individual person <laughs> playing each individual drum. Yeah, the songs. panning is it's like I said, Albini should have said, you know, guys, this isn't going to sound good. <laughs> That's your producer who should have like spoken up. I know you're Iggy Pop or whoever was making the calls, but hey, that it's not going to sound good. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder to be a fly on the wall, like in the mixing sessions for this album. Well, I'll tell you this, that Albini will not speak up. Yeah. Have you worked uh, with Albini directly? What did you record with Steve Albini? Uh, I have a friend uh, named Eric Martini who did a record uh, with a band called Approximation and uh, and he recorded it with Steve Albini and then he decided he wanted to redo the bass 
and have me do the bass. So I went down there uh, and specifically just recorded the bass. And basically, Steve Albini recorded the bass and allowed the bass player to just get a terrible bass sound. It did nothing to help the guy. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Aren't you a yeah. producer? Isn't that your job? Well, I, you know, and I, and I shouldn't, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that I don't like to be critical, but he particularly, because he's known to be such a great producer, is frustrating because I know that he's not someone who necessarily gives a lot of leg up to someone who may just need. Now, of course, when you're doing a Stooges record, you may just not speak up to that you know right. but when you're when you're dealing with this band the approximation who's you know just some guys you know or just trying to make a good record he could have spoken up for them yeah hmm. you know so steve albini you're on notice <laughs> <laughs> you're on notice i won't be planning any trips to chicago <laughs> <laughs> well global pandemic and also that kind of <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so we all kind of agree a little bit I on this song so. kind yeah. of in terms of in terms of the songwriting yeah. you know a kind of a fun song one kind of the of... stronger showings for sure for okay. sure okay um cool. moving on though to atm atm hmm maybe not as strong we'll find out here we go There are some other pieces that I, I have questions about. Um, Go ahead, like you want. <laughs> so, okay, like obviously this song is, you know, making fun of, I guess, the punk bands who inevitably were influenced by his punk band that are now making music. And he's saying, don't bullshit the bullshitter, right? Which I can get behind that. Like, he's like, yeah, I invented this. Like, you can't, like... Don't parrot it or try to ape it. Unfortunately, it feels like he's parroting or parroting and parodying himself in some of these songs. Like it just never like gets where it wants to be. Like it's it's a commentary on out of touch rockers being like rich and boring. But like also, I'm not saying Iggy Pop was boring. This album sometimes gets boring. Like and maybe a little bit out of touch. Like I'm sorry. Like the leaders of rock don't rock. The leaders of rock don't rock. This bothers me quite a lot. So that part, it's like a clear call out. And if you're going to fucking call it out, make the song a little bit more punk. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm... Yeah, I agree with that. And well, then the like the self uh, referencing the Stooges fight poverty in secret three times is kind of weird. Like in a lot of ways, I, I think they tried to make some political commentary at various points on this album but it's sort of half-baked and that's not really their mo anyways um no it's never been their mo that's the thing they weren't ever trying to be a political no, they're band tr- they're 
Like, right, they're trolls. And their politics are just inherent in the way that they make music. Like, that's their political trolling is just like, we're going to fucking say fuck you to every convention that ever existed. It wasn't, they didn't have to say political things in their lyrics, right? Yeah. And, well, in the 60s, in right. the late 60s, early 70s, too, I mean, I think it was political to be as sleazy as they were. Yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> you know, vocally, yeah, like, like he was saying, I want to be your dog. Like, that was controversial at the time. Right. For sure. And crawling along the stage on broken glass. And right, like cutting himself up on himself stage. and yeah. slathering himself Pre in peanut butter. Rock. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was the, I mean, but expecting him to be the same punk rock 50 years later, again, I would say, like, really? You expect him to be exactly well, the no, same? Well, no, but I guess. I just think it's too cute by half on this song, you know, because, and it, it to, it, you know, sort of vacillate between you know i'm better i'm we're still better than everyone who's doing it now the leaders of rock don't rock like we rocked but then also just being like yeah hang out at the atm we're doing this for the money uh yeah it's, it's like choose choose which one you want it to be i think you know are you are you doing well, the this message the is or? still the message is still that that money it, affects everything and everyone and how he's treated and how everyone is treated like that message like you said earlier is all the way through the record yeah so but are they doing this record because they need money are they doing this record because they have like a perspective like a modern take are they doing this record for the fuck of it because they just to troll ju just to troll us and that's the thing is already in these first couple songs it's very contradictory and not clear and like maybe an album oh, doesn't no. need a thesis he didn't tell you what it was about <laughs> <laughs> he didn't spoon feed it to you no, but I'll, okay, but again, I'm going to say post-pop depression. That is an album with a thesis. He doesn't spoon feed it, but it's very clear. There's a thesis to that album, and it is very clear what it's about. It's about looking back on your life. It's about trying to wrestle with feelings of irrelevancy. It's about trying to figure out what your place is, what the end of your life is going to be, who you, what your legacy is, right? Black Star by David Bowie. That's, that's, mm. that's evolution. That's somebody who's, who's, obviously, you know, who's much older and putting out totally different music than what they did at a certain point. Damn it, Iggy, you didn't keep up with Bowie. How dare but Iggy you? kept, no, Iggy, Iggy didn't <laughs> keep up with Iggy. That's what I'm saying. Post-pop depression by Iggy Pop was similar to Black Star in my mind. That was, that was a few years after this, right? That was probably, what, That was. It was the same year as, it was the same year as, as uh, Black Star came out. So those were both albums of artists who were extreme legends and had this huge legacy that they were wrestling with and trying to come to terms with and trying to, you know, look back on. And, and you know, that's seemingly what this album, like, was for them. Like, three decades later, and you're going to put out an album and, like, the best you can say, like... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Look, okay. He's not the songwriter David Bowie is. And you know what? No one else fucking is either. Amen. Okay. That is true. That's not true. even close. No. And I'm, I, sorry if I miss like spoke, I'm really comparing that, that's him. Like, I'm comparing him to himself though. Later. I'm trying to compare Iggy pop to, to the album that he came out with 10 years after that, or not quite, you know, eight years seven, or seven, seven years or after, after that, that shows that he is capable of, you know, being introspective, of being retrospective, of like, you know, of, of assimilating all these ideas, of having like a fresh take on it and a very unique take. And this to me, just like, it doesn't feel like that, you know, sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's just it's the Stooges, you know that there's that that's that extra piece of it too that sort of your expectations are raised that much more. I think I don't I, know. And I'll say this: he does kind your of your expectations. Uh, <laughs> certainly true. mine. I mean, like I said, Funhouse I think is probably is probably my favorite album of all time. Maybe objectively the best album of all time. I think we could debate that all day. But and what year was that? Nineteen seventy. Nineteen seventy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a little while ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, so and I okay, so I'm gonna give him some credit on these lyrics after the le- leaders of rock don't rock thing. He does say, "You get old and you need it more." I you love get that old lyric. And you need it more. It's pulling your ass up off the floor. So I I actually really love that lyric as well. And I yeah. I that that to me like like is the is the argument, right? And like that is powerful and potent. There's storytelling in that. There's, you know, there's vulnerability in that, which I don't get vulnerability, not like he needs, I don't know. Iggy Pop's like a big draw and of the Stooges was being fucking raw and vulnerable and scared and scary. Like being in pain and and sharing that pain with you. And like saying the leaders of rock don't rock, they're all in it for the money and we're also kind of in it for the money, but not really, but sort of, yeah, because why not? Um, that kind of stuff doesn't get to that, but saying you get old and you need it more, that gets to that. Yeah, that I like that lyric too. Yeah. Is that fair, Kira? Do you like, <laughs> can we be friends again? <laughs> <laughs> I just think that the fact that I don't, necessarily understand exactly what he's saying doesn't mean that it's a bad lyric but but yeah I'm willing to say I don't necessarily always know exactly what he's saying I think what he's saying is the leaders of rock don't rock and we're better than them (laughs) like (laughs) I I don't hear the part about we're better than them explicitly said but okay that is a fair He's troll. I mean, he's trolling. He, you know, he trolls by nature. So yeah, he's trolling everybody, but he trolls himself too. Mm, You might be right. Yeah. Every, I mean, when he says every tricky dickhead has got it wrong, is he talking about himself? Is he, is, is he pointing the camera back at, you know, back at him? Maybe, maybe you're right. I could, I could be missing it. But even that, I feel like for every one of those are like, for every one of those lyrics, there's like a whole lot of kind of filler in my mind. Of Dr. Filler? Dr. Filler, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not bad. This isn't terrible. And none of us, we wouldn't even be discussing this album, obviously, if it weren't for the fact that the Stooges were so legendary and had that triple threat, you know, those three albums that changed everything you know what i mean like the fact that they're on this high ass pedestal and well you certainly wouldn't have invited me (laughs) (laughs) to stick up for them (laughs) well no we wouldn't have talked about it it would have just if the stooges were just some random band like this album probably wouldn't have made much of a splash and no one would have really talked about it and to be honest it didn't really sell a lot of records anyway it was like thirty thousand records sold or something it was pretty paltry um but like people wouldn't necessarily care. It's the fact that we're comparing it. And like me and Mike Dunn recently talked about like the new Green Day album. And for us, like Green Day was like absolutely like crystallized like our entire musical like life lives. You know, it was like this was the certainly like, my early musical life. Yeah, is, yeah, exactly. Like Dookie was such a foundational like critical album in both of our like development. And like to have them come out with an album in 2020 that's like they sound like 
Imagine Dragons. Like, it's like, I am really angry. Like, I'm more angry at them than I'm angry at Imagine Dragons because I don't have any fucking illusions about Imagine Dragons. My heart isn't connected to them in any way. Our hearts are connected to the Stooges. So when you hear it kind of sounding phoned in, it feels more painful and you hold it to a higher standard. Is that fair? Not necessarily, but it's where we're at. Here we are. <laughs> um, okay, well, we should move on to the next song. How about that? Um, yeah. This next one is called My Idea of Fun. I believe this was, was this the single from the album? Yes, yes, okay. it was. Yeah. And how can it, how can it not be? All right. <laughs> we'll find we'll out. see. Here we go. We'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> Let's okay. do it. Attention thrills. My idea. Agree. (laughs) Burn us all to the ground. (laughs) It's kind of our idea of fun too. We do this. That's what the show is, isn't it? I guess. Metaphorically speaking. Killing our heroes more. Killing our heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That is true. Now with that level of uh, analysis, I don't know if I can critique this. I actually (laughs) re-listening to it right now is like, oh, it's kind of fucking. I don't know. I liked it better on the third re-listen. Um. Although I think it's still the same riff as the song before it, right? Doesn't it sound very samey to the the previous song? No? Yeah, a little bit. And I think this is not a great vocal take, too. I think this is another one we gotta yeah. we gotta say, Albini, you're still on notice because <laughs> you should have told him to get back in that booth and 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 try again. I I don't know. I think you know Iggy's at his best where he he sounds like drunk with power and he just kind of sounds hungover on this song. Yeah. That is a good, yeah, like, I well, and he has so many different vocal, like, styles. He's got, like, the really low, kind of, like, Jim Morrison style, and he's got, yeah. like, the really snarly, like, really fucking, you know, the raw power wow. style. And then, and yeah. that I don't really hear a lot of, except at the very end, I think, the last song. But um, this is, uh, like, so I, I want to just give him a fuck ton of credit, because I think he's, like, 60-something. I don't think he's quite 70, but I think he's 60. Like, your voice oh, yeah. is not going to sound the same. Like, Surely. The, it's very impressive that, you know, there are some songs on this album where he's nowhere near a melody, and, and I kind of just wish he wouldn't do a melody, because, like, now I want to be a dog. Like, you don't need yeah. a melody you know, to be. He's never needed a melody. No, and so this is kind of one of oh, them. Oh, he barely has melodies, if you think about it. Yeah. And- yeah. Yeah. So so you don't need to do that. And there's some moments where it sounds like he's kind of forcing it. And this is, I think, one of them. Um, so, yeah, the central, like, you know, conceit of this song is my idea of fun is killing everyone. How do we feel about that? How do we feel about that? What's what's your take on, on that being something that 60-year-old Iggy Pop is repeating over and over again? <laughs> is that punk rock or is he going really fucking emo? Is it, is it, is it like... <laughs> I don't know. Like it sounds like me when I was fifteen. <laughs> Sorry. The one, the one thing I, I, I come back to in those lyrics is like, is he um, speaking on behalf of himself, or is he speaking on behalf of, I guess, the players in a war with no reason? 
like is it sort of like a tongue-in-cheek like their idea of fun is killing everyone um i I think the lyrics right before it kind of make it seem like it's about him because it starts with attention thrills and then it kills they make you king then make you ill till you're alone yeah why wouldn't he and why wouldn't he mean it why wouldn't you take him exactly literally because (laughs) i feel exactly literally like that and i'm closer to his age than you guys are and so it's not certainly not. I felt that way when I was 15 as well. Yeah. But I That's probably true. was more suicidal and homicidal. And now it's probably just more homicidal. <laughs> but I, don't I, know. I identify with that. So, so yeah. I don't know why we couldn't say, yeah, he could absolutely be dead serious. I guess it's the juxtaposition of like, the lyrics that are lamenting you know they break your skin when you're a kid and they steal your soul and keep it hid so it's not like object nihilism because there's still an investment in you know how terrible that is and therefore like a belief in what it could not be or could be um like it's also, the whole- that's, that makes it an explanation of what what's brought us to this point huh interesting yeah, I guess that's good. I can't argue with any of this. Yeah, Kira, I can't really argue with that. Converse of us all, I think. But I would, go, I would go back to ATM in saying <laughs> that, like, we we can't. We're sort of having this debate about whether he's like totally serious or if it's tongue in cheek or of like, you know, he's speaking about himself, but he's using you instead of like me, and it's sort of this convoluted yeah, like. I'm, this is I I identify so much though. I mean, this is exactly mm. how I handle it. When I'm at work and I'm hating everyone, I will use humor because I'm not allowed to let on how much I hate everyone and how much I want to kill them. And I will absolutely use humor and talk about hating them in a funny way in order to hide so to me, that just makes total sense to juxtapose humor and hating everyone just right together. But killing everyone? Yes. Like in the universe? Yes. Like even? Yes. I, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, look, we've all had different life experiences. It's true. It's true. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. I guess, like, I think all of us can really identify with being fucking, like, furious and, like, nihilistic and depressed and, like, anxious and, like, you know, upset and... uh, Sarcastic, too. And sarcastic. I think if anyone's allowed to fucking be fucking mad at somebody, it's Iggy Pop. Like, you know, and this is something that... Like, it's not the sentiment necessarily. It's it's the conviction behind it. I don't really believe him. I'm sorry. This isn't the song where I believe him when he says it. Yeah, he, not with that vocal take. Not with that vocal take <laughs> and not with that, you know, it doesn't, It yeah, it doesn't sound but murderous. That comes, you just said earlier that that was a production value issue. Right. Mm. But that factors so, into so the So, Mike, are you album. are going to utilize the production value to say whether or not it's sincere? I don't think it's just production. I think on his earlier well, album... I'm asking Scott. Oh, yeah. Well, Scott. Mike. 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 <laughs> and Scott. Ah, they're both one <laughs> syllable. All of them. It's... I'm asking all of you. To... <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Scott. Uh, do I think it sounds... Well, I think that the... I think that everything that went into the album factors into my impression of it. Um, And I think whether or not the sentiment was sincere, uh, I couldn't tell 
because of the shitty vocal take. Okay. Um, so if he was screaming it, yeah. you might have believed it. Yeah, yeah. and and that I wouldn't have so. had that, I honestly absolutely. Think so. Absolutely, because he does scream mm -hmm. on his other albums. You do get that. You you know that he has the ability. Does he scream on this album? He does on, on the end. other song at the oh, end. end. Yeah, he does. Okay. He does. So if so, he had performed it like that, then you might believe it. Yeah, yeah. I think this is one of those. I think there's some songs on here that are just. Uh, it feels like not enough work went into them in the songwriting uh, sessions, and it, there's some songs where it feels like they've got a complete song, uh, but it didn't come together correctly. Uh, when they put it to tape, and I think this falls into that category. Wow, yeah. tough crowd, man. Tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole game, Kira. This is our job, unfortunately. So sorry. And and again, they love it. Iggy is a glutton for punishment. That's like, true. You know, it, the thing is, is like we can criticize it all we want, and yeah, I mean, he this loves is that why my, mo most of my music never gets distributed at all. Oh no! Oh. No. Because I don't know, because I don't care what y'all think. I do it I do it because I like to make music and I realize that people are gonna have whatever feelings they're gonna have and and they have every right to it, but I don't necessarily need to read their reviews of my shit. Yeah. But you're saying, but Iggy's fine with it. Reading. Yeah, he lo he loves it. Like, I mean, he went back and challenged. What was the motorcycle gang that he incited multiple times? I forget what? the when it he was, was like, twenty. Oh yeah, but like they, <laughs> okay. I mean, they like they beat him up, and he like specifically went to play to them over and over again, despite the fact that they wanted to rip his head off. Yeah, like I th I think one of the things that speaks to his vulnerability and sort of the you know the proto-punk like foundation of their music is like he's kind of a masochist and he's pretty open about it like i yeah, we're, just, the, we're just the razor blades that he's there's yeah. a difference right. we're just doing this so he can get off that's the yeah, only there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference between masochism and and I, I just made sh a shitty record for you all to shit on. But that's what they did, right? I think that's kind of what they, that's, that's what you think they did. But, but but we were saying earlier in the first track in Trollin' that like the, the sort of object awfulness of the lyrics was done purposefully. With tongue in cheek, it was making fun, but it's not purposefully making a bad record I, I that's i would disagree that it's purposely huh. making a bad record because why bo why bother putting any energy into it at all if the goal is to make a to get a rise record. out of people it didn't sell enough records to get <laughs> oh come on that's that's rougher than anything i've said <laughs> you just that's you guys are saying it didn't get enough of a rise out of anyone right it did though. That's the that's like the insanity is that it did get a, by saying it didn't get a rise out of anyone. We are also admitting that it absolutely did get a rise. Yeah, clearly it did. And the reason why we all fucking care about this enough to talk about it is because we're huge fans. <laughs> it's because we care about this music. We care about these artists. Like we do. I promise. You I probably care about Iggy Pop more than Iggy Pop cares yeah. about Iggy Pop. <laughs> that might be really true. <laughs> 
that might be the the crux of this, right? Is that maybe he, you know, I think my idea of this record is just they were like, we're here, we're alive, let's fucking, we're having fun, let's just have fun. And and that, I guess, is is fine, but it doesn't make it a great Stooges record and it doesn't make a great bookend for an otherwise incredible fucking musical legacy. Like... Sorry. Fucking legacy. Do you like that word? <laughs> oh, I do. Shots fired. Oh man. Oh, let's go to the next yes. one. Here we should go. Should we do a should we actually should we take a break? Yeah. Uh yeah, let's take a quick break. <laughs> let's break. do that. Let's take a everyone get a seltzer. <laughs> oh man. I'm gonna make a cup of tea for my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the weirdness this is the title track yes the title track here we go this is the weirdness one word to just describe modern life comes to mind this world alone fits the ache in my bones Well, I'm just going to say it. This is track two on the EP for me. Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. I like uh, this one. Love the low end lyrics. Like he gets it. This is as melodic as Iggy gets. And it's beautiful in that way. You know, he has that ability to do that low end singing, which I like to hear as, as a change. You were bringing up the different styles he has. And this, this one to me expresses an emotion. Whether or not it's one you want to hear, it's, it's there's an emotion there, you know, and and I'm feeling it. No, yeah. I think I think there's clear emotion on this song, and I think the vocals work. The low the low bass, I mean, definitely Jim Morrison, Bowie come to mind when you hear that kind of a delivery, and also the, croon. the style. A, would you call it a, a croon? croon? Yeah, it is a croon. It is a croon, and he feels more comfortable. I think he's more comfortable in that register at this point in his life, so he's able to kind of feel the jazzy elements and the bluesy elements and kind of get deep in the pocket. Um, and also the way the the line is where he's going, it's going between notes in such a way that the melody doesn't have to perfectly work because the notes are kind of close together. So there's a lot of room to to massage the melody. Yeah. yeah. And you have yeah. this like psyche guitar that's really helping to create this atmosphere and like, you know, the whole concept of the weirdness. How do I describe modern life? And And he's definitely like, you know, calling to mind like this you know he's telling a story about alienation he's telling a story about like trying to like figure out what his place is the kind of stuff that i think he does really brilliantly on post-pop depression um i think he's get he does that with this song this actually wouldn't feel out of place on that album to me so you understand what he's trying to say here yeah i also i really like the opening guitar yes. like like it feels really current in a way for me that the rest of the stuff doesn't. Should we play it? I just actually, because I made the same note. I was like, this guitar intro is amazing. Um, let's just play it real quick. Let's just, because I cut it off. Yeah. 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 
simple too. Just four notes, like perfect. Yeah, and a really great use of the saxophone in this song. Yes. Too, which I I can't say for every sax mm-hmm. song. Uh, every time the sax, sometimes you can barely hear it. Comes through loud and clear on this song. So we like this song. Everyone agrees. Yeah. Can we all group yes. hug? Should we group hug? Yeah. Anyone? No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We all just put our arms up awkwardly on the Zoom, <laughs> yeah. listeners. Yeah, just so you know. Um, okay, so this next one, <laughs> I don't fucking, I don't get it. You were it. about to say something mean, and you were like, no, let's not ruin this. Let's not ruin <laughs> I, this. I was, I was. I actually love this song. The R-O-C-K in the U.S. Does John Cougar Mellicamp just cover play it. The, I do not like, I, do play I it. don't like free and free, so I'm ready for this debate. I'm the kind of guy who don't pick up the phone. I sneak around the room. Sorry, the song is just very corny, and I don't like it. Okay, actually, you know what? I need to get to the part of it that is the corniest crescendo of this whole album. So let me just re let me pick this clip that we need to hear. Here we go. It's shameless. It's shameful, dude. I'm sorry. This is I do like, like the idea of a Benihana intifada, but <laughs> I don't. The, it's really, for me, just the free and freaky in the USA. I can't. I can't with that. That's not the Sto- That's not what the Stooges do. It's literally I'm John Cougar, Cougar Mellencamp. And, but it's like, and maybe it's trying to be a parody of that. Maybe it's trying to take maybe. the piss out of that. Probably. Probably, probably is. But when you're ending that with the lyrics, uh, Alabama, Dalai Lama, Baby Mama, come on now, you're not. That's but not like, an act. That's not an effective parody. Is go ahead. So go ahead. No, I just, I just like how like sloppy and lazy it is. <laughs> it's just like the USA, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Like I'm a sucker for songs that talk about the. United States in a way that's sort of like tongue in cheek and yeah but, I don't know I, don't know. I, I actually like the song I just, and I think it's catchy <laughs> like I just don't I just never really thought of the Stooges as like a hook band either I don't I don't feel like that's what <laughs> that's I'm true for. but like I can't really repeat the chorus with the melody and the lyrics of any other song on this album because you've already heard R-O-C-K in the USA a million times. Right. That could be true. That's that the only I, true. I don't listen that to could that. Be right. so You're right. That's not true. Yeah. It's not that that's important, but to me, it's, it's more what Sophie was saying too, about this idea about, uh, how we're perceived by the rest of the world and how we perceive we as American, as, the dumb Americans perceive, you know, and that like the tongue and cheekness of that aspect, like I got, I can get past some of the songwriting stuff and also just hear the, the relentless humor of, of it. There's, there is, there is some humor. It is funny. I mean, I definitely, I don't want to, I will give it that. It's just as a song. 
the whole package i didn't have it's not for me yeah i mean i think it's obviously a tongue-in-cheek like you know uh parody of like american culture of like mainstream american culture and like the dumbness of american culture actually the more i read it i'm like oh yeah this is it's pretty funny like you know my sister funny like not haha but like uh you know on point my sister went to war she tied a guy up on a leash i think about it sometimes while i'm sitting on the beach i hate it when people look at me the wrong way free and freaky in the usa so it's like poking fun at what our freedom actually means, right? Like, yeah, is he actually almost saying there like my sister was uh, at Abu, the woman in those yeah. pictures in, in Abu, Abu Ghraib? Ghraib. Yeah, Port, that's Port. what it almost sounds I like. Didn't th- I didn't, I didn't realize that till just now. And I think that's masked by the sort of corny, catchy, hooky spirit of the song. I think that that sort of balance it's like chocolate covered broccoli like i i always appreciate that in a song i don't want to eat chocolate covered broccoli though but i see your point and like the but you wouldn't even know it's there it's like a tiny little bit of broccoli covered by (laughs) inches of chocolate perhaps i do so and like you're using john cougar mellencamp as like an example of like a very like like jingoistic american like superstar you're the like, one who keeps referencing he he is. none of the rest of us keep re- referencing <laughs> yeah and it's like making fun of like american like just ethnocentrism of like england and france the cultures are old the cheese is stinky the beer ain't cold like over here you know we have freedom um but alabama dalai lama come on come on Lise didn't uh, change the pronunciation of Dalai Lama to fit Alabama. No, but you just shouldn't have used <laughs> no. the word Alabama. <laughs> you know how to pronounce Alabama. We don't pronounce it Alabama. Alabama. But is he saying it like Al Obama, like Obama the no, Muslim? No, and if he's doing that, then that's a whole other problem. Jesus. <laughs> well, if he's doing tongue-in-cheek humor about, you know, Benny Hanna, then... Antifada, rude Madonna. Benny, Benny Hanna and Antifada is, a, is Antifada is a good uh that's my favorite line. <laughs> that's That's funny. A corporate a corporatized uh like, you know, religious army. That's that's funny. But I don't think they're supposed to relate to one another. Like Alabama doesn't relate to Dalai Lama, doesn't relate to baby mama. Like they're just words that rhyme and no. they're reciting. It does actually, you know what it reminds me of a little bit? Uh it reminds me of um Madonna's American Life. Yes. Yes. Uh famously my least favorite Madonna song. The 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 worst Madonna song of all time according to us. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it it is just it's just name dropping. It's like things that like kind of sound good, I guess. I don't I don't I like the song more without it. Now that I'm actually like thinking about the different layers of like parody that might be at play here, uh I like it a little bit more than I did initially, but I just I can't get behind that shit. I just think I just don't like the hook and I don't I, I would rather they left this song off. Yeah. That's just that's just where I'm at. What about you, Kira? Madonna? Now you're you now you're ragging on Madonna? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, it's a callback to a previous episode. We did a we did an episode on our, on the ten worst Madonna songs, and uh, this this song reminds me of the worst Madonna song. I ju- I just look. I already said. Look, I think that the that when in doubt, get your sense of humor and gear on this record. You know, when in doubt, you know, laugh a little. 
and then and then go yeah. kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it's the weirdness uh-huh. is all about. Maybe that is what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey. Okay. All right. Great sax. Great sax and. Um, no, that's that, see, that's my issue with the song. Couldn't hear the sax. Uh, not enough sax. Not enough sax. Bad, another Albini L. Albini taking another another loss I, on the sax mixing on uh, Free and Freaky in the USA. Kira's staring straight into my soul right now, and I'm going to stop thinking, all right? I can start drinking and stop thinking just <laughs> in honor of these artists. Uh, let's move on to the next one, uh, which is Greedy Awful People. I used to like my neighborhood It really made me feel good Until they bought a church and steeple The really awful people They drive those fucking awful cars And go to ritzy titty bars The really awful people I'm sad and lonely, baby I just want to note that at least for every single song in this album, we've all been bobbing our heads. So that's like a very good, that's a, that's a mark of success for an album. We've all been like vibing to it. Even if drums, it's the drums, the drums are so good. So is this song, is this like, is this about me? (laughs) Like, I feel like they're taking the piss out of me in a good way. Like it's, and I, I kind of appreciate that. I like my read on this song is that it's, it's, you know, making fun of, gentrifiers in particular who like come to a to a and urban Amer- community and americans again and americans know? for sure and like but spe- go ahead oh no i was just gonna say specifically like people who move to like urban areas and to the city right and maybe and then uh and gentrify right and like push other people out and like not entirely of their own volition but because of like capitalism being a nightmare and all that stuff pushing people out and then they see the new gentrifiers coming in and they're like oh those guys they don't understand they're not fucking cool and i feel like this is it's a call out like i'm feeling it totally yeah a little bit i thought about living in a a rich neighborhood and just being like i'm not like those other rich people i that's my that was my first read of it but now that i re-listened to it and maybe because Kira's here and I want to just say nice things now. But I do think that it could be the other the other side of it. The hypocrisy of like, I'm not like those bad people. I'm I'm, I'm worried about <laughs> scoring ass. <laughs> or that. Slip that or in, yeah. But I mean, it, it still it does. It still has that same thing. It's it's yeah. like the Americans in the last song, and yeah. like trolling at the beginning with the piece of ass, and you know he's he's very consistent on his you know don't forget who I am. You know. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Sophia? I uh, I actually very much identify with this song, <laughs> like which I don't want to say, but you know, as someone who grew up in Somerville who still has the means to stay here. I like actually never thought I would say this about an Iggy Pop song really, but like I really identify with the feeling of like loneliness that comes when right. your neighborhood changes. Especially and, in like, Southern California. I'd but imagine. also not being one of the people who's been displaced because like of certain circumstances, like I, I hustle, I make it work. And uh, yeah, like I don't think it's actually that satirical, and and I think that might just be because I relate to it on like a personal level. But 
yeah that's sort of that's my feeling of it um i could take or leave the musicality of it they always clap on the wrong beat though they really hit that one good I love that about it. They've got this awkward clapping going on and then he says it and it's like, yeah, they like can't even, they don't even recognize music. You know, they're not, they're not musical at all. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, it is lonely Mm -hmm. and I can identify with the aspect of um, if you have any measure of success at all, then like you start falling in between like people who are really struggling who see you as rich and people who are really rich <laughs> seeing you as you know pieces of shit and you you sort of fall you fall into this yeah. this, this gap you know I do okay so there are a whole set of people who think I'm rich and want me to get the money you know <laughs> and then there's you know what I mean so so I kind of get that part too but I I also appreciate that he's still saying he's about scoring ass, you know, that, that he's still a deep pop. <laughs> I don't think any of us would ever question how much Iggy Pop is scoring ass or or, or seeking ass yeah. at any moment. I guess my thing with this is it that, does like, slip that in. this yeah. was at a time where Iggy Pop was presumably like raking in like quite a good amount yeah. of cash from those like Carnival Cruise Line commercials that had like Lust for Life in them, right? Oh, like, dear. yeah, like you don't remember that the, I, the Carnival yeah, Cruise Line. I do, I do, I do. Yeah, it's coming you. back to me. <laughs> I just. I, Again, I think it's easy to sort of think we know what's going on in somebody's, you know, financial circumstances. And he he may or may not have ex-wives to support and, you know, expenses, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to over-exaggerate that. I'm just saying that, you know, right. it, it, my, music Especially is Especially in Southern California, I'd imagine. Being you know and coming from detroit the ultra rich is a separate category and this song may be referencing the ultra rich and not and he doesn't feel a part of it Uh, yeah and he's never gonna fit in with that rich high society like that's never or the beach or the beach boys (laughs) right you know whatever like uh, there are a lot of places where he could go where it's just anyway i kind of that's that's a different sort of alienation, right? Like that, that to me is less compelling than like the alienation of like, you know, the earlier music. And obviously that has to change because his life has changed, like and his life circumstances have changed, but it is, it's harder to like relate to on some level, but I don't know this song. I do. Yeah. Like I think, it. I think I'm with, but so- it does. He puts a label on them. They're greedy and they're Sophia where... But is he also putting a lab- label on himself? Like, is he is he referencing, is he thinking about himself in that way too? Is he saying that, you know, those are the greedy, awful people, but I'm the good one, but actually I'm also part of uh, this? He knows how to clap on the right feet. <laughs> That's true. And he's got better taste in footwear. So so he's pretty clear about that they just don't have their shit together. In that way. Better taste in footwear um, and better taste in in ass. <laughs> uh, but I'm with Sophia. I think it's good lyrics, not great, um, not great riffs. I think there's a lot of pretty like really good riffs on this album, but this one, um, this is this wouldn't make it to the EP for me. I think it's yep. it's just kind of um, this is the part of the album where I think this it gets starts sounding really samey. Um, 
and that detracts a little bit from from some of the better lyrics on the album, I'd say. Yeah, the next three songs I have issues with, I'll say. <laughs> the next three songs, I'm not going to be as kind. The final two, however, I really like, but we'll, I don't want to go too far ahead. So let's go into uh, this next one here, which is She, she took, took My, my money. money. Yeah. Here we go. Well, I never felt more power than this Or the pussy with disease I never spent time in a uniform I never loved a human being I thought I'd never see defeat Then I saw her walking down the street She took my money She took my money And I just want to do a little bit of the outro because that was like my favorite outro of this whole album. So. I got mixed feelings about this one, I'll say. <laughs> I mean, it's just a little fucking tired, you know, to just like talk shit about like, I don't know, like some dumb harpy like that stole your money and left you on the in the backyard, you know, homeless or whatever. I do love money. the concept of power titties. I wanted to talk about that. How do we t- <laughs> what are what are power titties? Do we know? I never uh, fell for power titties. <laughs> Or, or a pussy, pussy with disease. With disease. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it like implants? Are we talking about? Or like, are they? No, I think big naturals, right? Big. I mean, oh, like, come okay. on, man. All right. I don't. I mean, maybe, I maybe he's talking about the uh, the conviction of the person behind the breast. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very no. kind. I think, but I, I think this is obviously tongue in cheek. You know, as as most of the songs in the album have been, and I do like the. I like that one of the lines is. I never loved a human being. Yeah. Uh, then I saw her walking down the street. So like, I didn't. I've never loved anyone in my life, and the one woman, the one woman I gave, she took my money, man. But it is it's, vulnerability. Were you be, asking like, for vulnerability? That's. <laughs> 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 it's, it's just a joke. It's just a, like a take on like a, a, a piss take on cock rock, right? Like I guess on like Sunset yeah. Strip, glam rock. I, I feel like, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I, it could um, be like a dictator's kind of like style, like New York Dolls. Like it, it could be. I don't know. I like, I don't she know. She took I'll his money s- and she spent it on a diamond mine. What? <laughs> so, that's one of the lies. There's a lot of lies in this. Like the <laughs> pussy with disease. Yeah. I, I don't know if Iggy Pop's been steering clear of vernacular diseases for the duration <laughs> of his life. But I, I think it's vernacular I mean, diseases. I think that was an amazing BDs. <laughs> Ver- venereal. Venereal. Holy shit. That was very Yo, funny though. That, that was great. Right. Thanks for that. That was good. That's good. I'm I'm glad. That could that's... be a good name for a band, vernacular yeah. disease. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that's captured in a recording forever. I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> Um, Let me critique lyrics now. <laughs> yeah, I'm very qualified to do this. Trust me. I said it at the beginning. I still mean it. Um, like, I mean, I don't think it's that tongue in cheek because Iggy Pop is 
not known for being a champion of women's rights. No. Like, he's kind of a misogynist piece of shit in that yeah. way. And uh, I think we should yeah. feel free to say yes, that. Yes, and yeah. yet I would also say that it's certainly possible that he, because of that, he perceives the concept of a gold digging woman as very real. But that sucks. It's 2007. Grow up. I'm just, say, I'm I'm sorry. just saying. It's not like that's, a, oh my God, a gold digging woman. He met someone who was after his money. Like that is possible. Yeah. True. No, I think it's definitely, I, I certainly, I won't, I won't take away from Iggy that I'm sure he holds some of these beliefs, you know, in, uh, in real life, but I do think that to say I've never loved a human being uh, and I thought I'd never see defeat, but then I saw her walking down the street. She took my money. Now she owns a diamond mine. And, and I'm living in a friend's backyard. backyard. Yeah. yeah. It's you know, pretty is, cartoonish. It it's cartoonish. Yeah. And it's, mis- it's cartoon misogyny. Like, and he's not the first or the last to do he's that. He's like a cartoon wolf in this Exa- Oh! Yeah, exactly. I mean, and he's not the first or last to do it. Obviously, we could look at so many other artists who are much less prolific and much less fucking defensible who have cartoon misogyny just like laced in all of their tracks. But um, and like on the one hand, yeah, it's like, okay, it's Iggy Pop. What did you expect? On some level, maybe you do expect some level of growth. I don't know. It's been 30 years. Maybe we have a more complex view of hu- of women as human beings, Yeah, but beings, if women perhaps. are throwing themselves at him still, then, you know, how much respect? Uh, you know, I've, I've seen this on a very... Kira! Listen to me. No! I see, even on a tiny little scale, I've seen this shocking behavior by women around guys of very little fame and throwing themselves at them, you know? And literally me joking with these women when they're throwing themselves at the band and me saying, well, but you, you know, you could go with the road crew guy and they do. Wow. But that, but that's you know? a power dynamic. So, that's a power dynamic. The road crew guy? It's still, uh, no, it is, it is, is it something that happens, I think, partially because of the sort of one night, they're here, they're gone, they're on tour. You know, there's this weird, it's not just power, but a safety in the sort of, here's a moment in time and I'll just jump on the bandwagon and then And then gone. it sucked for those women though. Like Yeah, and if you expect men to grow up and not take, I do. take that power, then you've been watching a different movie than I am. Oh, Kira, I have so much. Throwback to Funhouse. Iggy was subverting these expectations even back in those days by saying, I stuck it deep inside because I'm loose. Exactly. He was. He was more subversive then than he is on this album, for sure. And also, we're jaded now. Yes. So he's a, I don't know. So that makes you set in your ways as a misogynist. I guess that's what happens with a lot of older white men. And that kind of sucks. Like, I don't know. I have higher expectations for men in my life, in my world, um, and in my music at this point. You know, it's different when it's 1970. It is. It's different when it's 2007 and, and now 2020. But he's a, okay, yeah, but he's not of your age. You're right. But I know people that are his age that have some level of self-reflection about misogyny that have grown. I believe you. 
It's true. And he not- may not be one of them. <laughs> yeah. That's, I guess, what it is. It's like you want, you know, you want to see some level of growth, especially as a woman who care, you know, who cares about this music or, you know, a, a non-man, right? Like, Sophia, what do you think? Uh, what do I think? I have a lot of thoughts on this. I've actually been spiraling in my own head for like the last five minutes. Uh I feel like something I regularly contend with is sort of the expectations that I have of my musical idols and just coming to terms with the fact that they are awful people who like haven't grown at all. I mean, even in the context of David Bowie, like he had 15 year olds throwing themselves at him and he slept with them. And that is like a gross abuse of power that uh you know it's it's hard to get over and like I think with him at least there was like some sort of level of growth and um at least like uh he backed away from that sort of activity but uh without losing his potency I'll say yeah exactly like he was still experimental and still cutting edge without you know committing statutory rape and uh like Hey, you know what? When I was 15, statutory rape wasn't even a thing. Nobody gave a shit. That was the culture okay? so, at the time. So right? I'm just saying people, people of that sure. age didn't even have that yeah. screw For tightened. sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That came later. Yeah, I'm not, think- gonna, like, I'm not going to say the conditions are the same, but like in my reality, in the social fabric that I've grown up in, like those actions aren't excusable. Like... To a degree and and that's awesome yeah i think it's great it's great and so like the part that i'm talking about with like contending with this is like acknowledging that like yeah maybe that was normalized at that time and sort of finding this uh middle ground between uh still really appreciating the art of a person and what they've done and also recognizing that in my ethical standards they fall short yeah. And the next because they're human beings. For sure. And the, and they're men who have grown up in a system that gives them unlimited power and authority <laughs> over everyone in their vicinity. That's right. <laughs> exactly. And they can be men and they can be men that experience like a significant level of privilege and also are men who are marginalized. Like, it, you know, and Iggy Pop certainly was. Like, his music and his artistry was marginalized, like, and was, like, seen as, you know, and was, like, literally slapped with, like, labels so that, like, people couldn't sell the music. And, like, it was, like, this was too dangerous. It was too scary. It was too fucked up. And, like, you know, and, and you can contend with that. But at the same time, like, it is 2007 when this album comes out. And it's just a little, it's a little... It's tired. Fucking tired. It's tired. It's, it's yeah. Sure, it's definitely tired. And the next song is like even more tired. It's really rough. Yeah. Let's get into this one. I really. <laughs> this one is really rough. Um. Here we go. The oh, sorry. The end of Christianity. I saw a goddess in a pizza joint. She hit my weak spot at a crucial point. Yeah. 
defend this one. So I tried to read it as charitably as I could. I was like, I, "What is he?" Because I was trying. What is he really saying? I mean, no, it no. What he's really saying is he's fetishizing and hypersexualizing black women, like he always has, as like a forbidden fruit, and like they're the ones that are gonna, you know, take away religion because they're so they're so sexually potent and well, and mm-hmm. easy to. To consume. I think ho- I, a charitable reading would be that he is uh, saying, you know, expressing that he was ingrained with, you know, the culture of nineteen the 1950s Midwest. Uh, and he, what he's doing is killing that moral code by doing interracial sex. Okay, that is a very charitable reading, and I didn't read it that way. But I'll allow it to exist. Sophia? I think that even if that's the purpose of the song, like it's- using that sort of objectifying language, like he literally is like when it's a black woman, like even in the fabric of the words that he's using, it is a black girl, not a black woman, a, a black, black girl. girl. Oh, sorry. And you cannot <laughs> resist. Right. She walk in short shorts, man. She fills them out. These bodies only come from way down south. I've got a feel in my pineal like my pineal gland she's like that doesn't i get your lizard brain is turned on by these exotic you know fetish objects of your like attraction like it sucks dude it sucks it wasn't cute in you know the 60s or 70s it wasn't cute in 2007 it's certainly not cute now um the only thing i will say is there is one really good lyric in this song that i feel like is really telling and really it's unfortunate that it's amongst this like really shitty song in my opinion or at least shitty sentiment um is when he says i can't tell if i'm dead or having fun i actually really like resonated with that (laughs) like (laughs) he like am i am i doing am i having fun here like am i enjoying this am i dead am i somewhere in between like um, that was an interesting lyric to me that I pulled out, but like the rest of the shit, man, I just, I, I, I hate it. Sorry. Kira, do you want to say things? Go for it. <laughs> I, um, I, <laughs> what am I going to say? Look, look, he's shocking. He's shocking. This isn't you. shocking to me. It's actually very formulaic. It actually, it sounds like it's totally unacceptable to to you, which is makes it shocking. Racism, unfortunately, isn't shocking at this point. It's like deeply ingrained in every single it's part not. of our society. No. That's right. That's right. It's not. And it's no surprise. So where's the big surprise? Uh, it's from? not a surprise. It's de- it's wanting more from somebody. It's expecting, you know, and maybe I should have never expected better. OK, so we're back to that that he should be held to a better standard. I think he should just be held to a basic 2007 man. standard. And he's not doing that. Than any other man his age. And he's got a massive platform and a massive audience just by being who he is. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you need to be better than that. I I do think, you know, we've talked about Bowie a lot. And at this point in time, Bowie had been like happily married to Iman for decades and hadn't ever done a song saying that they they don't make bodies like this anywhere but the South (laughs) and stuff like that. So, I mean, you can hold men to a higher standard and they can meet it sometimes. I do think I don't know that you can hold Iggy Pop to a higher standard. If you listen no, to definitely him, I don't not. know that you can hold him or a whole lot of men I know. I just think that standard. sucks. That just it sucks. It does suck, but but okay, so it sucks. But does it does that make it any less true? I don't. It makes yeah. it less. 
This is. Oh, no, I just I. Yeah, I would have to say, like, I don't really expect much more from Iggy Pop, to be honest. Like, uh, like I was reading about how one of his first marriage, uh, he was married to a Jewish woman and Ron Ashton showed up in like Nazi military gear and there was no outrage or anything of the sort. So like, I don't think they are known for being a woke band and even by the standards of the seventies were not woke. Right. I'm not asking for not for wokeness. I'm asking for basic, not racism. Like, oh, can we I think, just not be I think racist? I think it's fair we to say- racist as a country. We're but we're racist. not, yeah, but he's not critiquing it. He's Still. not parodying it. He's just being racist. And that's not fucking brave or like- I agree. Again, I think I'm I'm trying to be charitable here. I do think he's saying something, he's trying to say something about society here. He's doing it awkwardly. He's being more racist, I think, than he realizes. Um, I also just want to say the song African Man is like a hundred times as racist as this. Uh, and you know that, so it's not unprecedented for, uh, I, I will also say he, he actually has a song on post-pop depression that also is very weirdly fetishizing black women. And like, it doesn't work. Like, I don't like it at all. It always like, it's like the anomaly of that album where I don't think he's grown in this perspective. He like sees when like black women, he literally uses the term forbidden dream. Like they're the forbidden fruit, you know? And he thinks it's just transgressive to like, to fetishize a black woman. It's like, ah, it sucks, man. It sucks. I don't think like, yeah, I think it's fair and like necessary to look at a song like that and be like, fuck you, Iggy, for saying that. Like, I don't think he's going to change. And I don't think that any of us are trying to spend our energy like reaching out to Iggy Pop and having him become, you know, more aware of why his lyrics are incredibly racist. And do you think that this is why people don't didn't like the record no this is just why i don't like this fucking song i don't think other people felt this way i'm just exactly i'm just asking no and that's the thing here i mean i think part of the thing with our show is we don't we try not to just analyze the songs in a vacuum like we do try to like think about how they you know reflect kind of the the you know the mores and like values of the society that like enabled it right and like i do or like and the society that they help create by being these, you know, powerful artists producing music. Um, so it's, you know, I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that other critics were necessarily worried about this. I just feel like it it makes me, it, it was the worst song in the album for me, not because of the music, but because of the, the sentiment of it. And it's really shitty. And like, I'm just rereading the lyrics from Gardenia, which is the song on post-pop depression. And man, it's really the same. It's so like you know, uh, the, you know, your hourglass ass and your powerful back, your slant devil eyes and the deep ditch on your spine, deep ass, deep ass. All I want to do is tell Gardenia what to do tonight. And she, he like makes it clear that she's a black woman at the beginning and calls her a black goddess. So it's like this fetishization, exotic. But she's ex- also like the, like a metaphor for California or something. Maybe, but like, I don't, I don't fucking care at a certain point because you're, 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 you're Who's the butt of the joke here? Like, it's not <laughs> but. fair, fair, <laughs> very fair. I, nice. It's not punching up. It's it's very self-serving. It's very, uh, yeah, I, I, I 
very much dislike it. Okay, you win. <laughs> you said we got her on one. You said the most about this song. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I think the drums sound really good. I think the yes. drums sound good. I, can't, we'll I couldn't pay attention to them. <laughs> that's the real, that's yeah. the real team. I was just trying to, that's my counterpart. <laughs> Thank you. You're for absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Thank you for trying. I don't think it account. I don't think it um, excuses the rest of it. But I agree. The drums are great. The drums are great on all of these songs for the most part. I don't think there's a single song where the drums are not good. Um, Other than the panning. The panning is weird. Yeah. The hi hat. The the rides over here and the snares like right here and then. That's not, that's not even the shape the drum set's in. And the outro on this song is good, again, too. It's another jammy, like, very, like, funhouse style, like, freak out, psychedelic, outro, repetitive, you know. Um, it, I like, like, there are parts of the song that I like, but I just can't get past the fucking whole, the story of it. It's just, it sucks. Sorry. And <laughs> that's not all the racism we're going to see on this album because the next song here is called Mexican Guy. Let's hear what that is. lot of lyrics in this song there are uh this is yep. a wordy song mm-hmm. uh, a lot of name drops yep he name drops some folks we've covered on the show before yes i saw that bobby He's... boy drinking to the monster match show yep, yep. we've we've done them we've talked about bobby pickett uh we never saw him drinking on uh hollywood and vine to the mo- to the monster mash show but iggy did he also saw chuck berry at gone with the wind at the chinese theater uh had a little whitey snuggling up to him uh lot going on here frank zappa ate a lonely hot dog and iggy <laughs> saw it go down yeah he saw it and heard wild thing played by the trogs great song excellent song love the trogs um yeah, so it's an interesting history lesson. It's like a recitation of all the reasons Iggy Pop is so much cooler than us, and it's true. It's it, But it, it does become pretty reductive, and then it goes back to this obsession he has with, like, interracial, like, sex and dating, and, like, I don't understand why Iggy Pop is referencing Dr. Phil, which it's it totally dates your music and, like, is just seems like a, a random, like... I guess the whole thing is like random name drops for some reason, but like he doesn't have to resort to that to like make relatable music. So I don't, I, I don't really understand. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a phrase that should ever be uttered from the mouth of a person who like regularly cut himself with razors and spread peanut butter all over his body while screeching. Like, you don't need to mention Dr. Phil. Like we're, the time for that has long passed, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, um, I remember, I don't even really like, um, I'm not a huge fan of this band anyway, but I did always like, uh, I read this interview with the lead singer of um, The Decemberists, where he said that he would never, like, he he was, like, taking other artists attached to their lyrics, and he was like, I would never, (laughs) ever use the word iPod 
in a lyric. Like you don't. Well, it's you true. Don't wanna date. You don't want to set your music and you know set your lyrics in like a specific time. Uh, you know something that's going to pass. And at this point, we yeah, and social you statements know, Dr. Phil exactly. Is... And and if you can't make a social <laughs> statement true. about the time that you're in, well, then, you know, I, I think the argument would be that like the Stooges did social statements without name dropping like brands or like individual but, people. But naming Frank Zappa and Dr. Phil, they're totally different time frames. So he's not exactly just putting himself in one time. Frame. Yeah. Yeah. You're no, right. I guess if, if he's going to name drop Zappa, I guess you can name drop Dr. Phil, but I feel like, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's the juxtaposition of these icons uh, and his experience with them with like this hack. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, there's that. I yeah, I kind of I kind of disagree with that. Like, I think a lot I think a lot of like hip hop and rap makes like really really amazing use of pop culture and like technology within their lyrics. Yeah. I think I think for me the tension is like it kind of feels like a hey fellow kids reference. And, like, it also feels disjointed. Like, okay, we're trying to be modern. We're trying to be current. Like, the last two songs, or the last song was tokenizing and objectifying Black women to, like, such a severe degree. And that dissonance between, like, trying to be hip and, like, (laughs) you know, referencing a TV show and then still being deeply entrenched in the era, the sound, the politics of the 60s and 70s yeah not not i mean very just racist like it's just story like the whole like the whole central tension of the song is like you know his presumably white girlfriend you know ran away with a mexican guy so that's like the most you know demeaning and disheartening thing that you can ever experience is like to have your white girlfriend taken away by a mexican guy of all people like i just i Ugh. It is, it yeah. is, but it's it is that classic. Like it's the exact kind of like I fe- he does it on purpose. He does it sp- to get a rise. I don't. That is- I think you know it's like that same thing that we see in comedy where it's like oh like if you just you know if you don't get it it's because you're not funny. Like you know it's okay to be racist because I'm being edgy and it's just like it's not fucking funny because it's boring and tired and we've heard it a million times before and there's no fucking nuance or like anything new about what you're offering here. It's just a fucking tired stereotype. But. Kira is got her head in her hands again, so I'm gonna cut to her. Go for it, Kira. Tell me all Look, the ways I'm I, wrong. Again, <laughs> yes, and we've we've now over and over gone into this. Well, is it literal? And does he mean it literally? And and is he making fun? And and whatever. And yeah, you can t- if you take some of it literally, you know, which I'm fine with you doing, then it's like, okay, literally, does that sound racist? Yeah, I can't say that doesn't sound racist, literally. Although, literally, if she just ran with a Mexican guy and you're not taking that as a derogatory statement, then maybe it's not. I don't know. Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't mention Mexican if it was just- I a... agree. I wouldn't. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But if I was 10, 15, 20 years over, maybe I would. I don't know. You know, there's a lot going on in the country with a lot of people thinking about immigrants and, and having really strong feelings about them. Do I? No. Do I find it offensive? Yes. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we can just say he's a racist and, and it has to do with, you know, that stuff that's been happening. And 
You know, I think I don't think but that Iggy Pop a is. Song. I don't think he's actually. I don't think he actually thinks that way. I think it's. No. I think it's. Is he effectively making whatever point he's trying to make by saying it? And I don't. I I don't get it. I don't get what the joke is if it's not that. So I don't know. That's that's my feeling on it. Is he just trying to? Is it just for the the quick shock of like, oh wow, is he being racist? I don't know. And then that's and th- boring. And then if that's the case, we can that's do. Little, yeah, that's a little boring and, and safe. Is it? Does it mean something deeper? I don't know. It hasn't been communicated effectively. Uh, is it being? Tung- I, I. It's just. Uh, it's hard to tell. It's hard to say what the intent is here, but the result is. If the intent is just fucking offending people and like saying that that's trolling and that's so funny, then like basically that's the same baseline as every fucking boring ass, like right wing, like fucking middle of the road comedian who's like, well, if you can't take a joke, then you're not like funny enough. Like it's all a joke. Well, okay, but earlier when it was, you know, my dick is turning into a tree and he's trolling women and all of this stuff about women then you either accept that, yeah, that's just how he is about women or not. It's like, yeah, that is his whole repertoire is this thing about like, am I really this way or not? And it may be that he is, and that may make him someone you can't tolerate because he doesn't fall into your idea of how he should be socially. But that's who he's been. (laughs) I just think that if you're a punk, you have to innovate. If you're a punk, you have to fucking change. Like punk rock isn't supposed to be stagnant and stale. And like being fucking a misogynist and a racist is stagnant and stale. It's not so much about whether it offends my like precious feelings. It's that I'm fucking over it. I'm over it. We've had enough. Lots of punkers are stagnant and stale. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's been like a huge realization for me, especially with the rise of Trump, because you have like, Unlighted. you know, yeah. just Johnny Rodden yeah. fucking sucking Trump's dick. And then I look back and this is sort of what like how I feel better about it, which is that like they were never really that subversive in like a political like the art that they did was subversive, like the Sex Pistols were obviously railing against like the sort of repressed emotional attitude of London and of the family. But like within the political context, we're talking about like anti-racism, anti-misogyny. They like, were never anti-racist. Yeah. They, they, were, they were never any yeah. of those they things. They were anti-abortion, and, as I recall. Yeah. Song Body. I guess I'm not saying that they have to be anti-racist. I just want them to not be racist. Can we just be in the middle of just <laughs> not racist? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Dude. African man. I'm just going to say it African again. African man. It's quite a song. Yeah. But when did that come out? 1977. And it was still racist as fuck. So 1977, it was racist as hell. And now it's 2007. That's 30 years or, later. No, you have, maybe it's you 79. Have, New value? I can't remember. It's about 30 years later. You have a lot of time. Because, like, the punks that I admire in 2020 are the punks who are fucking railing against capitalism, who are fucking railing against racism, who are, like, fighting back. That's punk, too, you know? Yeah, and they've always been that way, I feel. Like, I feel like, you know, like, Joe Strummer held it pretty real until the very end, and, like, he wouldn't let punks get up on stage wearing Nazi memorabilia. Because, like, the simple act of making people feel shocked and in pain when it's a punch down is like not that subversive like our politicians and our ruling class do that every fucking day so right 
Yeah, and and for that reason, like I've never considered the Stooges to be like a a political bastion. Like they made really fucking good music, and like they were pretty fearless when it came to uh, performance. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't ask. Like I don't want to spend my energy asking them to to get better because they've been doing this shit for like yeah decades. And I, you don't always you don't always have to be Jello Biafra either too you know like the Black Flag I wouldn't say is a like explicitly political band they were much more inward looking it's much more about you know the um, I mean I shouldn't we got Kira here what am I even doing but uh, <laughs> you know I don't think I needed Black Flag to be political I don't think I need Iggy Pop. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I don't, I, I guess. But I'm not asking them to be political. I'm not even asking them to be politically correct. I'm just asking him to not be blatantly racist, I guess, is all I'm asking for. And I feel like that's a low bar. It's a very low bar. And I don't think he'll meet it. Yeah. He, this is, I, like, I think, yeah, that's the point is I think you can't take away. And just leave it off the album. Just leave it off. Yeah. You didn't have to include it. It wasn't yeah. that necessary. The song itself wasn't that good. You could have used that riff for other lyrics. Sorry. But I think you're right. I think we should call it out. Like, I, I don't think, like, calling it out is, uh, you know, incompatible with also understanding that he's just kind of like that. Yeah. I don't think we can, I don't think we're, we can say this stuff about Iggy Pop and we still think that pretty much everything he made in 69 to... 82 or whatever is pretty dope <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. And, and and, on, and onward you know there's I, which which i love Iggy again. pop's music i i have reckoned with this dichotomy before because i've done the deep dive and i you know this is not the first time he's done racist lyrics and it's uh but i think i agree with you heather and that like maybe it's time to stop now in 2007 maybe i think that's yeah and in 2013 or 14 or whatever fucking post-pop depression came out because it literally is he has a song that's even worse i think on that album and it's just unfortunate because i feel like real punk is fucking evolving like you have to like be representing a time and an era you have to learn right i don't know you don't have to you don't have to. You're right. You definitely don't. And 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 who am I to say anything, right? But that's that's my personal feeling as a fan, you know, not just as a critic, but as a fan, you know. Yeah. It is a bummer to hear from someone you admire uh that they're so angry that their ex is now dating a Mexican guy. And I don't even think it's meant to be literal. It's more just like that that's their thought process is like, oh, I'm going to come up with a story where, you know, the antagonist is a Mexican guy. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't even, it's just disappointing. I just want it. I just, I would hope for some level of growth. And it's like not the strong music. Like, you know, the African man isn't a strong song either, mm. right? Like, well, it, maybe it is. <laughs> it's got a pretty cool backing track. I don't yeah. Know. This, I don't know. In this case, it's it does, not a great song. It does have like itself. a nice bow diddly beat. That's kind African of like a African man, I think I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and say that I think he was in a, like a drug-induced stupor when he recorded it, possibly. The lyrics sound very improvised, and he wrote this one down for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I guess we've said what we'll say about that. So uh, these last two songs, I will say, were my favorite on the album. I liked them both a lot, and for different reasons. Uh, this next one is called Passing Cloud. No light in my window No way through my steel door My mind should be open But it's more closed than before this song i think it's probably my favorite on the album um for a few different reasons i think the saxophone elevates it like so much i love that i love the sax uh i love like the the mood it gives the song um the vocal register as we mentioned before like that's where he's like really he really shines um is that low kind of vocal tone and then the lyrics they're really powerful and and actually they kind of speak to some of the stuff we were just talking about on that last you know analyzing that last song right um no light in my window no way through my steely door my mind should be open but it's more closed than before like we were just talking about that like it's you know what I mean like um the kindness of strangers is a grand and empty thing the presence of danger sided up Side it back up to see again. I don't know what that means, but time will be healing me. Yes, time will be healing me. I saw it in a passing cloud. So this is like really like tapping into that like liminality of like life and death, like trying to understand your place in the world, your place in like in history, you know, having time pass and feeling time pass you, you know, wanting to find meaning when your previous ways of thinking about the world don't work anymore, like that kind of stuff. You're tapping into a very essential feeling, like human experience. And the riffs are sick. Yeah, it's a dope song. It's it's track three on my EP. Uh, and uh, I'm I, I think this is when... The uh, this is maybe the strongest song in the album. Kira, what do you think? Yeah, I dig it. I think that you're right. It's, he, in a sense, explains himself a little bit that he is stuck and and he is, you know, he says time is healing, but he's also saying I'm just I'm stuck, you know, and it, and it sort of leads into the next one, and, and he's fried, you know, and it's like it's yeah. like it's been 50 years and you know and and things aren't changing that much or i'm not changing that much or i'm feeling the world changing but a lot of us after 50 years of doing this you know me included you know start to feel like you know the basic stuff is pretty is pretty static like yeah i might try to write a song that that says something new about myself but who i am as a person is still who i am based on what's happened to me over the course of my life like i can't get rid of it and that's so powerful that message that story that's what i want this album to be that's and what it can i would have still, liked to have a little more of, can still a have a bit. sense of humor it can still be self-referential it can still be parodying it can do all of those things while still having that sense of 
again, I think the word is vulnerability, like and accountability. Like there's a piece that he's recognizing in himself that I think is so relatable and so powerful and so potent. And that I think he does really well on post-pop depression that I just like these last two songs are my favorite songs in the album. And I'm just like, damn, like make them go first, like make this the story, right? Like, I don't know. It, it And it does show, like, I think it somewhat justifies my level of criticism, even if you might not agree, Kira, but like that he is capable and they are capable as a band of really hitting these marks and like hitting these notes. This one resonated with me really strongly. But yeah, Sophia. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really like the sax on this song. Like, I, it sounds almost distant in a way that fits with the lyrics. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really like the song. I don't have anything bad to say about it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect. That's it's it. great. Sorry. I, I don't... Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think... Yeah, it, it does kind of speak for itself. And I think this last song does, too. Um, let's hear it. It's called I'm Fried. I woke up today, I don't want to do shit It matters the size and the shape of it I don't want to work, I don't want to smile I don't even want to read Sunday styles I'm fried, I'm fried, I'm fried I'm fried, I'm fried, I'm fried I'm fried, I'm fried, I'm really fried thing where he's just pulling words out of his you know in the refried deep fried whatever and so it has some of that similar kind of throwback to the one that you didn't like to benny hama benny hana baby mama in a way like it's more about the rhyme you know the rhyme in and having fun with that than it is about saying something meaningful and deep i don't know the lyrics i'm chasing the buck i'm running on luck my work no i'm just my- talking about the rhyme oh the chorus the chorus I'm fried. Yeah. I mean, it's a little. It, yeah, that's a little the silly. Other ones, yeah, you're right, right. For sure. But I think the rest and of I'm the fine song. With that. Yeah, I think I'm fine with it in the context of the rest of the song, which is like, so the lyrics I was going to read, I'm chasing the buck. I'm running on luck. My work ain't my wife. So I'm useless, useless for life. I'm out of my mind from dealing with swine. When they say I'm great, I feel like hate. Like he's talking about like. You know, the adoration. And he's like, I I don't even know what to do with this. Like, you think I'm fucking awesome, but I feel like I'm fried. I'm old. I'm washed up. I'm used. I'm abused. Like, that's a potent, powerful feeling. That is something that I can connect with. I can connect with that a whole lot more than fucking Benny Hanna, fucking baby mama. Sorry. Like, I do think it is cheeky, the tongue in cheek kind of chorus. But the rest of the verse really tells a story. It's different. It's a strong story. It's a story that I resonate with. And I I feel like a lot of people, you know, would. But again, it's like buried at the end of this album. Uh, It's just a shame. Like this should have been the opening to me. But I I guess I'm fried, like being the end makes sense a little bit. Like I'm old, I'm fried, I'm, you know, I'm fucking fried. Like it's almost like he's yelling at us. It's still a little cheesy. He's like, fuck you. (laughs) Like, (laughs) But at the same time, you have to wonder, well, all of us would have probably been just happy as fuck yeah. to have your three other albums and called that forever. That's but the, you were the one who wanted to make this other that's album. That's the real, so, that's the, that's the you, rub for me. I don't like, know. It's not, know. it's still, you know, the riffs are pretty tight. The drums sound great, uh, you know, other than the mixing. The mixing, I think, is the 
it's, it's, we don't need to talk about it anymore. But I think maybe we would we wouldn't even be talking about this album if they if Albini did step in and say, hey, you know, make some actual decisions. Uh, I, I think. Um, it's still the Stooges, you know, it still rocks. It's just, this is raw power very much. Yeah. But it's just, uh, is it really, are we any better off having this album? Are the Stooges any better off putting this album out, uh, than if they just, you know, kept it to themselves or just did the EP or, you know, I mean, or played the songs live on their tours and like we're like hey what do you yeah, think we wrote put them a new on a song. live album i just think you know i think uh i think there's a distinct lack of a bullshit detector on this album i think there it needed editing it needed more time in the oven and i think if you're a band as important as the stooges it should have been granted you know they, they should have put it given it that time and given it that uh that effort and attention um you know i think that's the main issue for me it's not a bad album it just should have been a better album couldn't have said it better. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think we should rate. I, I think we've said a lot, and and uh, and this song, yeah. I mean, it, it, like you were just saying, I think that some of the the reasons why this record struggled was about the sound of it, you know, and and because there were some real opportunities of having this thing just really hit hard, and it was. It was sort of castrated in, in a couple of ways. And I wondered when before we met whether that was going to be something we talked about, because I think it it definitely had uh, does suffer a little bit from that. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, this song is cool and I'm ready to rate. And uh, but I want to hear oh, what Sophia uh, has to you. say. I, I really like the song. Um, I feel like Kira, when you were talking about uh, the song my idea of fun is killing everyone and you're empathizing with it um like this song kind of makes me feel that emotion viscerally and like understand it like it would i would love like this song with that song like back to back because like i think it's just like this frenetic sort of like pissed off energy and for good reason like after reading these lyrics going back to like my idea of fun I'm like fuck yeah <laughs> like I have my idea of fun too like I know that feeling like I'm pissed off so yeah I, I like this song um it rocks too it's just like straight up like from the start headbanger headbanger it's good. okay so now comes the fun part of the show where we get to rate the album and uh on the show we do a scale of zero to negative <laughs> five now that does not mean that we have to use that scale and many people have broken the scale on the show before but generally because we're discussing bad music or bad albums we rate it on a scale from zero to negative five of something and we have our guests choose what that thing is what that quantifier is for our duck dynasty episode it was like zero to negative five uh horny duck oh it was corkscrew penises corkscrew penises because that's how <laughs> ducks have penises anyway um so i don't know if either of you have a quantifier that we can use or tree dicks yes Dicks. Tree dicks. So zero to negative five tree yeah. dicks. Um, right. Sophia, do you want to start us off? So zero is being the highest. 
Zero <laughs> is generally okay. So generally, how the rating works is zero is generally true neutral. Like it's not terrible, but it's not good. Um, negative five is like the worst shit you've ever yeah. heard. And then there are some episodes where we have been like kinder and given them positive scores. Not usually that high, but <laughs> should I should positive. I say which ones we've broken the scale for? Yeah. Um, honestly, that makes us less credible. Uh, but. <laughs> simple plan, Fergie, and insane clown posse. What? <laughs> insane clown posse? It's complicated. It was a we good a album, okay? It was a weirdly but, good album, and I can't explain it. I can't. Interesting. We can't. Interesting. It's Actually, that was a similar episode where we had a juggalo come on the show with us and like really like Tell School us, us and explain, on ICP. really educate us, and we were like, "Fuck, we're, we've been such assholes." And maybe that's what's that's exactly how today. I feel today. Yeah, that is how I feel today. Yeah, like sure. I feel we're like here, after here. hearing that uh, insane clown posse went positive, <laughs> not giving the weirdness a positive rating feels like an insult. Um, but you know, I'm like, I'm I'm gonna follow the rules. Uh, I think at the beginning of this, I was probably like a negative three, negative four tree dicks, and uh, I definitely feel like uh, point negative point five tree dicks. Okay, that's a small tree. And dick. why? Yeah, it's a very small tree. Dick. Yeah, it's like Tiny, like a little yeah. branch, like more Micro. of a twig. Um, it's a twig. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> There are songs that I cannot stand on this album, but I would say like half of them are relatively good. And um, I think, you know, talking about the production, yeah, I think a lot of fault can be put there as opposed to on the Stooges. So I don't feel like that's really a fair, mm, yeah, part of of a rating. Um, And yeah, these last two songs are really really good and the weirdness is really good and um yeah like i wouldn't listen to it again but <laughs> it's all right it's all right and if zero is neutral then yeah a little worse than neutral that is super fair a super fair thank assessment you. thank you sophia does that feel does that make you feel more empowered to go next kira or should one of us go next sure i'll go next um so go for um, it. first of all i listened to this record i it's on my uh i won't say ipod pod but it's on my it's on my phone oh, what the guy for the december is coming for you it's on my it is on my phone and uh i sometimes <laughs> listen to it and um and I, I, although I, I, I appreciate what was said about the idea that possibly an EP or, a, or some editing would have made it uh, go from a, a record I just, I listened to, um, to one that I really, really thought highly of. And, and as we've already said, the production value is got some real annoying uh, aspects to it. Uh, but um but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna just go neutral and go zero but that's for you guys to follow the rules <laughs> i mean to follow- you don't have to follow no. our rules you're the ultimate punk i mean you can fucking break if anyone can break the scale it's you kira like <laughs> i mean if it was a zero to ten scale it would obviously be you know above zero but uh i can follow the rules how far and- above zero 
How much farther? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> well, in a zero to 10 scale, neutral would be more like five. And you would give it a five? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair. That seems very fair. That's, fair. That's very fair. And I very much appreciate your perspective on it. I mean, as a true insider in this world, like you, you know, your your opinion matters a whole fuck ton. So, yeah, that's that's very valid. Well, thanks for um, being kind about uh, opening, <laughs> opening yourselves up to hearing a little bit about that. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm so I'm obsessed much. with it. <laughs> we need to we need to do this more often. We we need to we get do. more people on like you, Kira, because to put us in our goddamn places. We do places. need to be put in our place. <laughs> uh, so I've already sort of said my piece about the album. I guess you know the main thing for me is um, uh, if it's on if if I was doing the scale for the Stooges albums by themselves, if the only albums that were ever made were the Stooges. Funhouse, Raw Power, and The Weirdness, it would be a negative five, you know, because it is a letdown of an album. Sometimes you listen to an album put out by a band years and years after the fact, after their heyday, and you say, wow, that, you know, it's 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 kind of sad. It's like, wow, this is, it's not good. This is the best they could do, and they just, they don't have it anymore. I hear flashes, I hear in these songs that they do still have it. The riffs and the drums, like, all the, all the, all the elements of it, like, come together uh, over a number of songs, you know, and it, and it's good. So it's a bummer to me that they that they didn't take the time to turn the whole album into something like that. So again, yeah, I've heard much worse on this show, um, but I I do I gotta I am a little bit bummed out that this is the end result. This is the last uh, that we hear uh, from the Stooges, you know, from the, the the you know the majority of the original lineup of the Stooges. Uh, and that it, it, I feel like it could have been, it could have been something more. Uh, that being said, you know, I'm going to give it a negative one tree dick. Um, I'm not going to go on and on. I think, you know, I've been pretty critical of certain parts of this album, uh, and I stand by it. Like, and I do think that there's something when you hold a band and an artist in such high regard, when they, when they have put out such incredibly like mind meltingly, like, you know, uh, groundbreaking, incredible music that like you do hold them to a higher standard and you are harsher on them when they let you down. And I think just like Mike, there are glimpses of really, uh, really awesome stuff, really good stuff on this album, but as a cohesive whole, it doesn't hit where it needs to hit and it doesn't hit hard enough. Um, and for that reason, also just, I guess because of, oh, the end of Christianity and Mexican guy just knocks it down a little bit further for me. Uh, the racism just, yeah. So I'm going to give it a negative 1.5. I'm still not giving it uh, as harsh of a rating as perhaps I would have. And part of it is because I just value and venerate them so much um, as artists. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't hit it um, as much or where I wanted it to. Um, that being said, they're endlessly more talented than <laughs> I could ever be. And fuck yeah. Like my, what does my opinion mean? Um, but I just want to say, I, I'm so incredibly fucking grateful, um, to have had Sophia and Kira here with us on the show today. This has been just like a dream come true. And I really appreciate both of y'all's like honesty and willingness to like push, on us and on each other um and i think there was some really Kira's cool... gonna get a call from steve albini and it's our fault. i know <laughs> yeah, yeah we apologize for that phone there. call in advance 
<laughs> it's cool. Um, uh, you know, give give me your best shot. I'll give you. Come on. I was um, there. <laughs> exactly. So actually what Kira's saying is bring it fucking on. Let's go. Um, I can't wait for that. I'll let you know. I promise to follow up if that happens. You can definitely blame us also for all of it. It's definitely our fault. Um, but I want to give you each a chance to plug stuff that you're working on right now. Um, let's start with Sophia. Sophia, plug stuff that you're working on. And, and I know it's a fucking global pandemic and everything sucks and is canceled forever. But um, where can we find your music? Where can we find what you're working on and follow you and support yeah. you? Yeah. Um, wow. What What am I doing with my life right now? Um, <laughs> I have a band camp. It's Home Despot, like Home Depot, but with an S. Uh, we actually haven't recorded pretty much anything, but uh, I got a bunch of grant money, and we've just started doing some scratches for basically what will be my debut EP, which is really, really exciting. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can find me on Bandcamp. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I also have a Patreon, which is, like, basically what pays for my groceries right now. I was a bartender and a working musician before the pandemic. So that life has been destroyed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if people want to support and get some like behind the scene info, I'm also a writer and a street medic. And I write about going head to head with the state a lot. Um, so yeah, you can find me on there, which is patreon.com slash Sophia Bell. And uh, yeah, I have some shows coming up on the once virtual venue. Sadly, shuttered um in the last month um but it's a venue that's really near and dear to me and i recommend checking out their live sessions um and that's it thank you so much fucking hell yeah support sophia in everything that they do they are fucking incredible um and kira also fucking incredible what can we do to support you um and apologize and atone for our sins today just kidding but um oh, no. uh, well thank you i i don't uh i don't need to be supported i've been very lucky in uh my life i i was out of work for a long time but i've been able to work a little bit from home in my uh in my uh, post sound career on movies so right now i'm working and and the, you know the rent's paid and um so that part is good and far as music's going i i'm always recording stuff I have a, a two bass band that is Whoa. not dose that is called awkward we have a band camp uh, demo out and we're working on uh, some new stuff just uh, because he is actually a touring musician who's stuck uh, without being able to do that so I could actually capture him in upstate New York and make him record some stuff uh, so we're doing some stuff and I'm always recording at home and doing virtual bands with uh, people. I, I always kind of do it remotely, oddly, because like my best time of working is 630 in the morning and nobody wants to play with me <laughs> at mm -hmm. that time. So I'm used to doing it this way, which is sort of building songs by sending files around and stuff. So um, but I don't ever put it out, like I said, because I don't ever want to like hear your feedback on it, especially <laughs> now, even less so today. But thank you so much for having me. And uh, I think it, this is a great idea, especially if you allow sort of the the both sides thing, because I think it probably uh, there are some records out there that deserve a little bit of back and forth. 
attack. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we are, we, we, we certainly, uh, we want to after this episode. This has been great. Um, I love getting uh, your perspective, Kira. Uh, certainly the first time we've ever uh, had someone on whose ex-husband actually recorded the album uh, that we were taking down. Um <laughs> And, I, and, and it's, it's truly, insane that it's we crazy. even did this. <laughs> we gotta do it. We gotta do it again, though. I love. I mean, if spread the word. If people are, if people want to come on, uh, you know, we. I think we've had a, folks in the industry not want to come on for th- these very reasons, and you know, I we're putting it out there right now. If you want to come on and defend an album, we we take all comers on uh, on make it stop and uh, feel free. Hit us up. Make it That's stop cool. Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, and you can find and support us, as Mike said, make it stop podcast at gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at make it stop cast. Um, yeah, shoot us, uh, you know, if you ever have a famous friend that would ever want to come talk to us, <laughs> like, I don't know why they would after this, but I hope, um, I hope it genuinely hope it was a good experience for you. It was an amazing experience for us. We are so freaking grateful and uh we appreciate you all stoppies uh we'll see you next time bye Bye. the make it stop podcast is produced recorded and edited by heather mccormick it is affiliated with the boston free radio podcast network at bostonfreeradio.com and with somerville media center based out of somerville massachusetts the music used for our intro was produced by patrick ahern thanks for listening 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall, subject to change. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points.
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 